Don't you know anything? Stupid, man. It's university. Stupid. You guys always think I should know everything. You never tell me anything. All right, right, right? All right, what are the huh? three most common used passwords? Love, secret, and uh, sex. But not in that order, necessarily, right? Yeah, but don't forget God. System operators love to use God. It's a whole male ego. Look, you want to be elite? You got to do a righteous hack. None of this accidental shit. Seriously, right? Just hack. You score one of those Gibsons, man. You know, supercomputers they use to, like, do physics and look for oil and stuff? Ain't no way, man. Security's too tight. The big iron? Maybe, but if I were gonna hack some heavy metal, I'd, uh, work my way back through some low security and try the back door. Yeah, but, oh, man. Wouldn't you just love to get one of those Gibsons, baby? Mm. Dennis. Kev. I have a transcript from the last episode that I'd like to recite. Yes, please go ahead. As a court reporter. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, um, War Games is the best hacker movies, right? Dennis. No, it's not. Hackers <laughs> is the best movie for hackers. It's so accurate and so fun. <laughs> and read back. quote. Okay. Yeah. So upon rewatching Hackers for probably the first time in mm, 25 years. Um, uh, by the way, that's that just puts it like one year old. Oh, no. Yeah, that would make it just one year in. So you watched it in the theater, loved it, rented it on VHS, and then put it away for 25 years until now? <laughs> yeah. Upon rewatching the, this movie, I knew within maybe the first 10 minutes that I had uh, grossly misstated my... Well, let's just put this. It is not the best hacker movie of all time. It is not even as good of a movie as War Games. Not as good it, as a movie. Not as good as a hacker movie. Exactly. It's way not as... It's Far, far worse as a hacker movie. It's not even in the same realm. Um, you, do you remember? I'm not going to. I have the transcript in front of me, so I remember. But uh, last week when I was like, I was like, oh, I guess we should tell people to like, really, this shouldn't be your first War Games experience. Like, you should go watch the movie. And you're like, people don't need a spoiler for a 40 year old movie. And in this case, I'm going to, I'm going to say, don't watch hackers before you listen. Like, this is as much hackers as you need. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen it before or not, don't worry about it. We'll get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that you just said, hey, it just like had more sentimental value to you when you like said that. Binky? In the last oh, yeah, I'm here. It's yes. Just because your binky is your your first blank, yep. it doesn't mean it's a. Yeah, I've got that all right here. Do you want yeah. me to read it back or no? You're good? Yeah. You're good? No, we're good on that. But uh, yeah. I think all the rollerblading and all of the techno music and all of the Gap commercials at the time that were nothing but rollerblading and <laughs> techno music, like this just was such a product of the 90s as I, I watched this thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So what I would say, though, like I love, I definitely remember loving all of their handles from this movie. That. That I think is like what I actually liked mm. the most about this movie and what I would later on joke about mm. with my friends years and years later. I think we should work by the end of this episode giving you a handle. Um, cause I don't think you today you're going to earn your handle. Um, <laughs> so I think we got a lot of movie to cover though. I mean, cause we only have the pattern of how we did war games. 
Mm. And uh, I don't know. Uh, this might start to feel like this. I think we should dive in. I'm going to actually do my best to highlight the things that I like about this movie because I think that the things that I don't like are going to be pretty obvious. But let me say this. I think that the reason that this movie – I mean, this movie obviously influenced a bunch of people in our greater you know, security enthusiast computer – computer security enthusiast community. And I think that that you can see a lot of like the ripples of this movie over time, you know, that kind of like, like we were talking about last time, like kind of chicken and the egg of like, well, was this in the movie because it was a hacker thing or did this become a hacker thing after this movie? So I can see some of that. I think the reason that the movie, even from the beginning didn't resonate with me is I already kind of saw myself as a computer person. It's like when you watch a movie about something, you know, a lot about, like you, whereas like I can see, I mean, we work with people that weren't even born when this movie came out. Oh, totally. <laughs> so I can see like if you were like young and then this movie, like you just liked the movie or like it clicked or something. And I like bad movies from growing up too. So uh, I can certainly see how this might have, why this movie may still be rippling through, you know, that, <laughs> that community a little bit. But. Yeah. All I know is like when you bring this to that point up, much later in the movie, I actually just had to stop, pause the movie, and make a note, which was me realizing it's a very good thing that we didn't know each other as kids because I think <laughs> that if I had told you, if I had known you when this movie came out and I was like, I love this movie, this is a great movie, we would not be friends today. Yeah, and, and in fact, I am not friends with some of the kids I grew up with that wanted to get into hacking and said would t- talk about this movie or something like that, and I just feel like, whatever i'm 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 going home after junior high and refreshing my dns ttls on my you know it's like totally yes. I, I, I was very you know yeah i had this mental picture of you and me as teenagers young teenagers walking out of this movie theater and you overhearing me being like i love this movie and you being like i hate that guy <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's a reflect. That's some of the I, I've had some room to grow too, and I think that um, you know we'll grow together. But I don't. I don't think we should wait anymore. Let's do it. Boom, MGM United Artist Lion Roar. Yeah, Lion Roar, uh, Seattle, nineteen eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. I the Pacific Northwest. I mean, I guess we always think of. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a huge computer, you know, with Microsoft and a, a history there. But I guess we always, I, I don't know, I kind of, as a kid, I was always like, oh, it's the Bay Area with the Berkeley and stuff like that. <clears throat> Seattle, two times in a row. The best movie, best hacker movie and the worst hacker, hacker movie both open up in Seattle. <laughs> huh? uh, <laughs> Seattle, 1988. Slow motion SWAT team, Russ is past a guy with a uh, Trans Am. I commented on how much I like the cars in like the Jeeps in war games. Hate every car in this movie. <laughs> hate that Trans Am. <laughs> hate every Ford probe that's in here. You know, it's there, there's some bad cars in the 80s. Um, or 90s. Sorry, bad cars in the 90s. I guess good cars well, in the 80s. This is 88. This is 88. Yeah, 88. Oh, yeah. But, but this okay. movie did come out in 1995. And then I guess you could say one character in this movie is assault weapons and shotguns being randomly pointed into it. Oh my God. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. People recklessly. recklessly. No one acknowledging business. any question of a warrant, just 
cops yeah. exploding into a room with guns pointed at everybody's yeah. face. Yeah, so they they take down this residential house in a suburb of Seattle or a neighborhood of Seattle. Uh, I also didn't like that there was just a German shepherd tr- tied to a tree seemingly being out there all day <laughs> barking at these guys. Uh, they break down the door, head upstairs, knock that down the door, and then cut away. We don't know. We assume that they are basically taking uh, Dahmer or, or Animal Lecter into custody based on this show of force. And then we, have, uh, we, we cut back to the closing statement by – a district attorney or federal prosecutor, and they say, uh, Dade Murphy, a 10-year-old who goes by the name Zero Cool, has repeated criminal, criminal acts of a malicious nature and uses his superior intelligence mm-hmm. to a destructive and antisocial end. I think we should probably check in on superior intelligence a couple of other times throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah. His computer virus, this is one of my favorite parts, his computer virus led to the crash of 1,507 systems. I think I personally have made mistakes that have crashed more than 1,500 systems, (laughs) (laughs) including Wall Street trading causing a seven-point dip in the stock market. Now, you're the finance guy. Seven-point dip. Is that a big deal? Seven point dip. Well, so and, but so he caused a seven point dip, and at the conclusion of this, he gets fined forty five thousand dollars. His family gets dip. fined. Well, his 45, family gets 000. fined. Which I did actually end up googling just to see, like, okay, what? How much was forty five k in nineteen ninety eight? Can I guess uh, first? Yeah, please. Sixty eight thousand. Uh, no, up. Oh no! Now, now I'm out. You, you now you're out. Me. Okay, a hundred and two k. Whoa. From yeah. nine, from ninety five, or from eighty eight? From eighty eight. Oh, okay. I was going from ninety five. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, how much is a seven point dip? I don't know, but I feel like you should get fined a lot more than a hundred k for causing a seven a seven point dip in the in the New I York mean, stock market. And I think that this is very much modeled after the Morris worm. I mean, is that something that? Um, so you- funny you say this because like. I, so between when this movie is supposed to have taken place, 1988, and when it actually came out, 1995, I mm-hmm. remember, like, it was my first experience with a computer virus, like, ever hearing about computer viruses. And it was the Michelangelo virus in 1992. Mm-hmm. I remember that one, too, yeah. Okay. Now. So the Michelangelo virus and those, that one that you, like, so most viruses at in the 80s were... You got them one or two ways. So they actually would copy themselves on the floppy disks. So they would spread like spread through physical medium. So if you exchange floppies or brought a floppy to work, bring it to the computer at work, whatever. Or maybe in certain cases, off of like downloading from bulletin board systems Mm -hmm. in the 80s, where and and even viewing content on bulletin board systems, there was a type of virus called an ANSI bomb that would like mess with your terminal and like really screw. We were talking about it a little bit last week, but um, you know, that was kind of memory resident until you rebooted your computer or whatever. And some of those could be painful, but you know, they, they would, so they would copy themselves on the floppy disk then copy themselves back into computers and they'd infect the master boot record of servers so that they, when you rebooted, they would come back and stuff like that. So that was typical. And I, you know, that was how, 
you know, McAfee antivirus uh, and, and those types of things got started was detecting viruses when you inserted floppies and those types of actions. Yes. And I actually went back to read up a little bit more on that. And, and actually, in particular, I was like, ha- to refresh my memory on what exactly were we scared of? Because I have two memories of dealing with the Michelangelo virus. Number one, not turning on my computer that entire day. Right? Because, that was, <laughs> because it was supposed to trigger when the, right, the right. system date hit, right? If, yeah, if Which your computer has was- already been infected with Michelangelo yes. virus, there yes. is a, a logic time bomb implanted that it was going to go and delete. But you weren't changing, exchanging floppies with people, were you? Uh, we definitely, so for this computer, my brother would have been, I'm, so the short answer is probably, is most likely yes, because of just video Mm. games. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so, but also though, I remember in 1992 before, before we even had AOL making, like for some reason we still had plugged in a phone line into the computer, even though we had no means of actually yeah, using Yeah, because there was a modem in it. So yeah. Well, yeah, yeah but we like, plug in all the sure, cables. There fit, was right? a media <laughs> modem in there, but we, not that we were actually ever using. So I just remember yeah. like unplugging that too, to be extra safe. Okay. Nice. That the Michael Angelo virus doesn't sneak Attack surface the management. Line. Great. Yeah. Um, so, but so that's that's traditional viruses at the time. The Morris worm, or you know, it was a worm, and it was an internet. So basically, you know, and there's a little bit of controversy, but uh, the son of Robert Morris, who was a MIT scientist and cryptographer, <clears throat> computer scientist, it, um, his son supposedly wrote this worm, which is like replicated itself through finding vulnerabilities in, you know, there was a a couple of known vulnerabilities and, you know, default passwords and things like that. So it replicated, I think using some like SendMail bug, which was like cuckoo egg style, similar time, that bug, uh, some buffer overflows and things like the finger service. When you went to college, were you still uh, using the finger service to look up people at all? That actually, it was, it is like the, Worst name for a service. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, the, yeah, but yeah, yes. Um, and you know, a couple of other things. So default logins or what? You know, some trust stuff. So that I, I think that they're modeling this after that because it was supposedly a kid. Though there was some contra. I'm, I'm not exactly sure if that that we don't know uh, entirely about it. Um, but yeah, that, that is, and, and that also happened. I'm looking at it now that happened in November 2nd, 1988. So that is clearly, I think the model for this thing. Yeah. I guess I'm just sort of setting the context here as to why this movie still left such an impression is that you're dealing with someone that who was just like returning the computer off for this entire day to protect ourselves from viruses. So I was like, yeah, I really <laughs> yeah. didn't know what this, because I was like, I remember sometime dealing with a virus. I, you're, you're, squishing, you're squishing like five years in your head because the Michelangelo stuff was like 1990 and this movie came out in 95. So I, you're- No, no, no. You're to, I know. But I guess I am squishing. But I was like, mm-hmm. right around this time, why would it have left such a big impression on me when this came out? So anyway- uh the guns have been so the SWAT team has burst in he's we're, in we're in the we're in the courthouse she they sentence so 45,000 he he gets convicted of this crashing of 1500 systems I'm sorry 1507 7 yes, point, point stock market decline judge finds a family 45 grand you say that's 102,000 what'd you say 100,000 yep, that's exactly right current US 
And he's sentenced to life without computer or touchtone phone until his 18th birthday. Now, is this a real thing? Like, do, I believe were getting I, I believe for these crimes? I, I be, well, not only convicted for these crimes, but that was similar sentence. So, you know, probation and limiting their access. Like that was the gut reaction to people is because it was so hard for people to understand they would take away, like it's take away the abilities, the person's, you know, right to use a phone or computer or something like that. Yeah. This seems like a really hard thing to enforce. Uh, I guess mostly the mom enforced it because she's still paying down the (laughs) $102,000. Now. Okay. Yeah. I got to point this out. I love, we don't see a lot of the kid playing Dade, young Dade, love the kid's haircut and cardigan dress shirt combo. When we met, I was actually rocking this kind of like uh, cardigan over a a dress shirt and a a tie look. Um, You know, that was kind of one of my, before I stopped caring about- Yeah, that was business Kev's go-to uh, look for a few years back, and I must. This is I must have been inspired by this kid. I don't. Yeah, I, my note here is most '90s kid ever when they cut to him oh, in the courtroom. Yeah, and uh, it was like yeah, it was, he's like basically straight out of a Gushers commercial or something. Uh huh. Yep. And there are a bunch of press photos taking pictures of the family that with the criminal kid. So. <laughs> Cut to seven years later, which ostensibly is 1995, 757 flying through the air, kid in headphones, uh, you know, dyed hair, gray turtleneck already. We got some fashion choices going yep. on, uh, definitely going for a vibe there. And he's peering out the New York skyline window and we get the first visual aesthetic thing in this movie, which I do kind of like, and I have some some dish on this, but the buildings start looking like circuits. So in this uh, movie, like it definitely wavers. It's got some Tron influence. Yep, I was um, just thinking that. Yeah, and then some. So the buildings look like circuits, and the computers end up looking like buildings later on too. I love all of that. <laughs> um, but boom, movie is on. We got ourselves a movie, <laughs> Hackers. <laughs> um, and next next scene, we start to. Oh, let me talk about this. The visual look of all this stuff. These guys that were doing the these early digital effects and doing a lot of the computer stuff, do you know any about anything about them? I do not. They were after this movie, this group of people that worked on this movie who had built all this experience specific for specifically for this movie, founded a company called DNEG, D negative or something like that. Okay. And they basically became Christopher Nolan's visual effects team to like this day. Like they're working on Tenet, a lot of these people. That's shocking to me. Humble (laughs) beginnings, I will say, because I later on when we first see them, (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything quite yet and and overshoot it, but the the garbage file scene, I was like, that's when I instantly knew what a mistake I had made (laughs) comparing this movie (laughs) to War Games. It doesn't, the visual style, like it's completely inaccurate and disconnected from hacking and computers, but it is cool. Like, I mean, some of the things that they do, some of it doesn't look good. And in fact, the more real computer stuff they use, they don't make it look that good. Like you kind of, it kind of cuts between like a 1980, not, you know, like a, a Mac 7 or Max, yes. a Mac 6. And, and that kind of gets in trouble. I think they would have been better off like with just kind of green screen text and maybe some of these things. I don't know. They just struck a weird balance with some of the gooey work that I don't like in this, but we, we fade into Dade typing away on a keyboard. 
he's got a he's got always got food on his monitor. That's one thing I noticed. I have never put food on top of a monitor before in my life. It seems gross. But he's in the dark. Here's my other thing. Very tiny sunglasses. This movie is is got like a it's a love letter to very small sunglasses. <laughs> like oh. he's got a very small pair of sunglasses on now and we see I'll I'll we'll cut back for a tiny sunglass competition later on. <laughs> yes, I mean tiny sunglasses, rollerblading, techno music and bursting into rooms with M16s, you know, in everybody's face are just constant tropes throughout this movie. Uh-huh. Hack number one is on. Mom checks in. He makes a joke that he's taking over a TV network. Why Why wouldn't she believe him? He just got his access to computers back. The last time he touched a computer, he took over the stock exchange and yeah. 1,508 other computers. Seven. No. Oh, yeah. Well, 1,506 other computers. I meant the stock exchange to be one, so I added. I had an off by one error okay. in that classic security bug. He calls the TV station desk... And socially engineers the the number on a moto. Now, I have mixed feelings about this. One, I like that it is probably one of the realest in mm-hmm. terms of techniques. And in a lot of this movie, they don't even show the technique of how they get in. They just kind of show that they're in. And I like that they're putting in a little bit of work here. The thing that I don't like is he ch- the way he does it, he says he's Eddie Vedder from accounting, lost a file he's working on, but he uses a lot of like obvious like BLT drive went AWOL and he's got a big project for Mr. Kawasaki, some anti-Japanese uh, work stuff, throwing like uh, some some complaints about the Toyota management style or something like that thrown in. And so I like that it's actually, you know, I mean, this is something that, that could happen. I don't like that. He's peppering in all this stuff that could get him busted on this. Right. Like, yeah. And here's where I think, you know, it's really serving the movie. You know, it's trying, yeah, exactly. Right. It's real. Yeah. This is, Oh, look how cool this guy is. And he's a, all, all the k- t- kids watching the movie relate to this kid and not a dopey, you know, poor security guard at the front desk. And buckle up. This is by far the best hack in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's definitely all downhill. It's the most in depth. And it's, it's the best. Also, he, so he, he calls this guy, he says, Hey, I need this modem. I have used, I used in, uh, I was doing a side gig pen test thing in like 2013, uh, for a law firm. And I, I don't remember, I, I can't say that I was informed by this movie, but I did use the exact same thing of being a lawyer who was locked out of their laptop and needed to pull something for a deposition. And that way, and I engineered the local administrator password to that laptop Ooh. to log in and get that file, uh, which I then use for other stuff. So um, that pretext is uh, pretty good. I mean, other than the sprinkling in names and stuff to get caught. Okay. I agree. Um, and also, so during this hack is when we also get to see the first cool hacker UI that they always have to put in movies like this. <laughs> I think it's supposed to mostly be a terminal. But I, well, yeah. So anyway, so he gets the number on the modem. I had that same modem. That is a Zoom external 14.4 modem. I bought one, because not because 28K modems weren't available at the time, but I only had 150 bucks instead of 250 bucks. So I ended up with the Zoom 14.4, um, you know, a few years before this movie. But uh, obviously... 
contemporary with this movie because that was the box the guy picked up. Uh, cut back to, yeah, so this UI. The computer string looks insane. It's four columns of some text paging up, some text paging down. <laughs> On the left, he's got some sort of textbooks like next to his monitor. And in the clock, which isn't pointed at him, we just know that it's 3.55 a.m., can a jolt on the side? You ever drink a jolt? I, I don't know if I've ever drank a jolt. I drank a surge before. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a time where I had to do also a side project to help my brother, and we were going to our full-time <laughs> jobs, and we'd get off of work and have to work on this other website we yeah, these, building. I mean, and these, we were just going through cases of surge. I mean, and these were famously the soda that your mom wouldn't buy you. You'd yeah. have to like walk to the gas station on your own. You'd get, I mean, the even the gas station attendant would be like, um, are you sure you want to get this? <laughs> well, because they advertise like each can was the same as like two cups of coffee or something crazy, right? Like, it, yeah, which they I'm really, sure is the same as a Red Bull or, I mean, all, <laughs> like yeah. the, this is the original energy. It just wasn't under any sort of energy. It was all, <laughs> now they're just throwing in taurine and, and stuff like that. So, um, so then we start uh, kind of cutting. So Dade's subconscious is a series of movie clips throughout, or old TV shows, movie clips. I guess because he couldn't use a computer, he watched a lot of TV. And so, like, his brain starts clipping through these things. Uh, By 4.35 a.m., we can see now his four columns of text include a lightning bolt and a scope reticle. So we've got some progress. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, And we see his, finally, his... OTV entering ARPS 331. And when I watched this, I was almost certain that they were talking about ARP, like address resolution, like when I watched this originally, Mm. or that it was some broken reference to like ARPA or something, you know, like turns out, and they say it in this thing, automated record playback system. So the tape robot system is called ARPS. That makes sense. I'll give that a pass. Yeah, and I also like the thing where it was like when he finally does hack into it and he and by the way, he hacks into the OTV network just to put on outer limits. To mm-hmm. watch, right? Yeah. But they've got that terminal that's got, you know, it's just logged in and it's got the post-it note on the screen that's like do not touch. This is the production computer that's in charge of Yeah, this and thing. and you know what? That's not far off from no, walking around, you know, information systems. I I I when I was younger than than or you know before in like 92 93 94 i volunteered as a kid at the hospital information systems and yeah you saw a lot of that stuff. i'm sure so he gets in there and then it, now i think once he puts on outer limits and he's enjoying it in his popcorn for a little bit then we see some 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 activity on the hacker ui well right? i yeah. So first, I, I'd say that like these things are real. These tape libraries are real. If if people want to see them, you know, it's it looks like a digital tape library, except it's for video cassettes. Odetics vid- video library, like was was one of the big ones at the time. I think like just through research, and so it's a robotic arm, which I do love. And this kind of comes back. It's like the best hack also for this part of it. Ha- it does bring a natural visual element that they don't that they get away from in some of the other stuff and they go to just the like computer graphic stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. 
but I like this better than anything. So like there's a robotic arm that's grabbing a VHS tape off and then inserting it into one of the four, you know, video playback devices that is then connected. And also we see the first like hacktivism theme here, right? There's some cable access bigot who's spewing some racist stuff. Yes. And, and do you know what the name of that program was? Did you happen to catch that when he takes the tape out to put outer limits no. in? Uh, let me um, make sure we're TVMA again. Go ahead. America first. Ugh. <laughs> all right. I wasn't sure if you would have caught that. Okay. I don't know. I wish I hadn't. I'll edit all of that out. Um, so not so fast, though. All of a sudden, we see his terminal, which the most accurate thing in this movie is probably at the very top of his terminal here that's almost blurred beyond recognition. It does say dev TTY something, you know, so it is like a Unix serial device at the top. <clears throat> but a big graphical you have tread on my domain and must now suffer. <laughs> Who are you? Question mark. And also this is all written in so-called lead speak, which I think is it's chicken in the egg. That stuff came from this movie and I hated it then, hate it now. <laughs> well, so that's what I was kind of confused about. Cause later they're like, he's elite, he's elite. And I, I guess that uh, was how it started. I don't know. And then naturally came to elite uh, or was that from something else? I don't know my friend, but it, this could not, of of the of one of the most toxic and annoying parts of of the whole thing, it's like this definitely was a catalyst for some of that stuff. Not, I mean, not necessarily toxic, but I don't like the the are you know one character are you question mark. So, <laughs> but I would say this whole thing does remind me on the throwback episode that I have with Ben Jacobs. I forget what the first half of that episode is. I once got hacked by somebody who did write me a message <laughs> and was using pirate speak and then proceeded to delete my server. <laughs> oh so, my God. so I guess I could, I mean, realism wise, I guess I have to say not unrealistic. Hmm. Well, so, so far there are three for three actually. Yeah. I mean, this is by far the, the, the best one. So flash a bit, we see a UI that's, that looks Mac-ish and a chat window comes up. Uh, Dade makes up a new handle, not wanting to out himself as zero cool. Now we know that this guy is a genius and we know that zero cool is on public record as being Dade Murphy. So why would he ever start to type <laughs> zero cool? <laughs> why does it Give take the guy a break? It's the first time he's touching a computer in freaking. Mm, okay. Know. So the other, he calls himself crash override and asks who he's talking to. And the response is acid burn, leave before you are expunged. And there we go. The birth of annoying lead speak. <laughs> uh, TV turns off. We get the tape library fight. This is the best. So she's moving. And, but in reality, I think that this system would just not know what to do. <laughs> or just would be yeah, spinning exactly. around. Would it have enough time to actually go grab a tape before somebody immediately? No, no, of course not. That's a, like, that's yeah. It would just but be I like shifting it. constantly back and forth, but very visual. So, it, and I actually was like, re I reckon back to a book I read but I checked and the dates don't really line up that this would be an influence. But in the Shimamura account of the, the Kevin Mitnick, which I'm not saying is the correct account to go by, I've read all of, of the stuff. But he describes when he was a kid and his dad was a Nobel Prize physicist at Princeton. And he was like hanging out in Princeton computer security, Princeton computer labs. He once broke a digital tape library by pushing it to the wrong address, like pushing it past where it physically could go mm. um but i 
won that book. I couldn't read that book again because it's like not in, in circulation anymore to verify that. And it came out, I think in 96. So I don't think, but that's what I, that did remind me of something that was somewhat real. So again, uh, you know, best hack of the movie for sure. Okay. So Agreed. they, they both have basically complete control, but then she ATHs that's Hayes modem speak for hangs up his connection. Do you like Hayes modem speak that I added in there for realism? Yes, and a very nice touch. Okay. So the next morning, Dave, Dave's up and at him in a robe. Mom's on his case. He's drinking Coke for breakfast. Stop getting on him for college. Start getting on him for drinking Coke for breakfast. Yeah, that was gross. That I'm sure gross. I did it. But. I definitely did it. I was definitely <laughs> drinking uh, soda for breakfast and in co- up until my freshman year in college, for sure. Yeah. Disgusting. And this part doesn't necessarily age that well. Mom's throwing shade at him for playing with a computer instead of like getting a girlfriend. And oh, I think yeah. now like, <laughs> I don't know, it'd be completely reversed to be like, you got to get some computer skills, buddy. Uh, <laughs> ask him if he's doing anything stupid. And he comes back and yells that out of the blue, that he's still a virgin. <laughs> I did not understand this, this retort, this okay, dialogue. At this point in the movie, I had to pause it. And then to satisfy to like number one, I was like, is where do I recognize this guy from? So what else has he been in? Oh, okay. he's Sherlock. Johnny Lee Miller is is, is Sherlock. So and it, other well, things. Yes. So it was uh him, his role as sick boy in train spotting, which uh-huh. is what I was like, oh, that's what I know. And then I'm thinking, wait, this guy's he's not American. Now I had so I then I had to look up his his um you know bio for the second thing, which is when he yells you know, I'm still a virgin. I was, I was like, Sounds is British. this guy doing a F- Ferris Bueller, like Matthew Broderick impression here? Like, is this from Ferris Bueller? So I had to ch- double well, check that because I think his American accent just sounds like Matthew, Matthew Broderick doing Ferris Bueller. I mean, it's not a bad guess because he probably watched a lot of Matthew Broderick, who was essentially this character in a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm right there. Yeah, so yeah, I mean that's not an easy job. He's got to be putting on a fake Seattle accent as a you know young British actor, right? Probably tough. Yeah, not 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 hating, but and I'm I, like, it is doesn't. This, is this? It never pick? takes me. It's not the reason that I'm ever taken out of the movie is his accent. So, but okay. yeah, it's a little weird. So she goes into a room and finds that the modem's plugged in and is pissed, and he's not going to college if he screws up again. Um, I don't know. I had I had moments in my life not for hacking or anything like that, but for not doing homework and stuff that uh, I probably got similar speech from, uh, from one of the doctors in Osri. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because it's like, as long as you know what to do with a computer that's plugged into a phone line, you probably don't need to go to college. But the, people didn't understand. Actually, my, I, I would say that my parents were really progressive in recognizing like, oh, okay, you're going to be able to make a career out of this. Uh, yeah. Regard- yeah. So, um, so apologizes for moving him a senior year. You had to move, High schools at some point, right? No, I no, I did not. Oh, okay, Paul's six all the way. Paul is six all the way. Yeah, I don't have any experience with that either. But I can imagine how tough it is. Although there's no sense of him that likes New York, which seems crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, he, totally. Uh, so- and also, I was waiting. I was wondering if the move because she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I said had to sell the house because he seemed like they they seem to really like that house and not like this New York apartment." That they're in. Yeah, I think it's just space. And she's basically living on a futon. So, I, I mean, she's embarrassed. I bet. Yeah. Um, new, back to New York skyline. Dade's rollerblading to school. 
with a purple camo fishing vest, I would say. Like mm-hmm. that would be my best description. And by the way, never saw a hacker in a camo vest and until after this movie. So I think that this might be retroactive, <laughs> retroactively applied. Comes up to someone on the phone and asks for directions. I, he's in the wrong here. It seems super rude to see the one guy on the phone. There's a hundred people in this hallway. He goes to the one guy on the phone and tries to ask him for directions. Why not ask somebody who's not on the phone? Yeah. That's, that's my biggest critique in this movie. <laughs> that's not, a hot take. Yeah. Cut to uh, Dade in class. We hear a voice asking about transfer forms and we see a lustful Dade stare back at Kate. Very early Angelina Jolie. Don't know if she was in a movie before this. Agreed. I don't know that she was. Uh, And rocking the pixie haircut, which I think Uh, was, this would be like the only Angelina. Very progressive for the time. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, Dade goes into another media blitz in his head, but basically like a hubba bubba with old movie cutscenes, actors kissing. He takes his forms or she takes his forms, asks to see if he's coming and start showing him around. And then they'd, they'd ask why he's not in class or why he's not in the same class as her or whatever. A kid walks by and basically tells Kate, asks if he's new, tells Kate to tell him about the pool. And this is the first animosity tension between them she sends him up a flight of stairs the door closes behind him and there's a bunch of kids locked on the roof and by the way ruggles did not like this part my dog the thunder and rainstorm she got up out of her chair and walked away <laughs> but now i didn't understand and maybe it's a deleted scene here but what were those other kids doing on the roof they were all that was all their first day of school at that school because it's a new york school so most of them were freshmen probably and they okay. were all sent up there to check out the pool on their by their guides. They all got And they all did that same. He's the 40th person. Okay. Now, now, why are those kids not waiting by the door for the next kid? Eh, they're not <laughs> yeah. geniuses. Well, that's Dave's what I was asking. Because like, they're all like up against the ledge of this roof. And I'm Try, like, probably trying to call, yell down at somebody uh, to come okay. up and get them. All right. Okay. Yep. And then let's see. What else? Also, so around this, the, the high school hallway scenes. All of mm-hmm. the baggy pants and shorts, <laughs> yeah. but the yeah. super baggy pants. We're just was- getting off of MC Hammer parachute pants. Like this is like two days later. I mean, well, yeah, it's like the time. super baggy jeans. Like you know, I I wonder. I didn't see any Jinko level baggy jeans, but we're not mm-hmm. very far off. Um, more okay. So now we now we've got more rage. Now it's. It's it's old movie clips in his head of men strangling women. Seems really pretty violent. Cut to the kid from the phone is seemingly for his own amusement making biology software skeletons get hot and heavy with each other. Yes. <laughs> this is what he does in his free time. Classic pastime. And he looks over his shoulder and hack number two, but we don't see any of it. Dade's already penetrated the school computer and copying Kate's schedule into his own so that they have all the same classes. Uh, Dade walks out of the building at what's out of school is headed home. That kid follows him and asks him about his interest in Kate. And he says, Oh, it's mostly revenge based. And then introduces himself as the freak, the phantom freak, the king of nine X. So this guy's specialty is hacking phone systems, which we do see him do 
too much, in my opinion. I will comment on that later too on. Too much. Yeah, there's okay. some instances where he's hacking phones for literally no reason. And that <laughs> he knows he's a fellow like computer focus hacker. So we get then we get another kid com- coming over, which this kid went on to be in a bunch of movies too. Uh, as like kind of a leading teen type of team heartthrob, but a uh, kid coming over to tries to get the freak's attention, but the freak doesn't like how he dresses, <laughs> explains that he doesn't have a handle. And basically the freak hands date a pamphlet and continues to ignore the other kid. Now, this is one of my favorite, not hacking scenes, but one of my favorite next spots is they cut to this rave slash ham fest hybrid party <laughs> where <laughs> Matthew Lillard in even tinier sunglasses is selling a mixtape of artists who died by choking on their own vomit. So hot cut from, from Matthew Lillard. And he's obviously the best hacker because of his super tiny uh, sunglasses. I mean, these are comically, they don't even cover his entire eyeball. Yeah. Like you can see his eyeball at all times through these on the on the edge of periphery of these things. Um, so there's lots of rollerblading in in here, and my favorite set decor piece ever. They have a space camp multi-axis trainer in the background. <laughs> I was like, holy crap, never seen that before. Went to space camp and love it. <laughs> a bunch of other stuff. But that was my favorite thing. Was the And there's somebody in it spinning around mm-hmm. in the multi-axis trainer. Famous, made famous in the movie Space Camp, a, a kind of another hacking movie uh, in a weird way, in a light way. But they... Uh, in space camp, they control it. Really, that thing just spins you around, and half of the kids puke at space camp. <laughs> and yes. uh, it's real; it's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't think space camp exists anymore, but I, I was a 1991 that graduate. You, I was a 1991 graduate. Yeah, I was a you know it's commander of my simulated shuttle mission, as you would expect. Wow! And did um, you puke on the gyroscope? No, man? heck no, man. Did you get to do the, that G force thing where it spins you around like? super fast in a circle uh Not the gyroscope I, thing, no maybe. no we didn't do that but we did bounce around on the big bungee thing anyway so dave comes into this place looking it's they're not power gloves we do see a power glove in this movie don't worry but he looks he kind of looks like he's wearing power gloves yeah <laughs> um and he sees Kate playing video games in this actually the other place that reminded me of space camp this multiple set of TVs stacked into one screen also does remind me of Space Camp. I did see one of the Endeavor launches, I think, uh, at Space Camp on a on a TV array like this, on like a three by three. I think this mm. is bigger, but uh, so very it's very Space Camp in there. Well, Maybe they shot this at an old Space Camp or a very new Dave and Buster's. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's there's like a, there was a Florida Space Camp that probably shut down around this time. Could it? Very well could have been there. Hmm. Uh, I have no clue what this game is, but it, it's like a combination of Mar- Marble Madness F-Zero. Maybe it is F-Zero. It's like, looks like it's being played on a PlayStation. Did you, you're more it was definitely called, game. it was definitely being played on a PlayStation. I did catch that mm-hmm. uh, an ad for it, but I also didn't recognize that game, but you're right. Yeah. Some sort of like F-Zero, you got to racing. But there's marbles in it too. But yeah, there's like a marble in it or something. <laughs> yeah. So Dade challenges her to a little bit of a showdown, and then like a 40-year-old guy named Kurt <laughs> commands a 16-year-old Kate to come over 
And they, yeah, I think they beats her top score They're I think they're already gone. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, and then the freak explains that he shouldn't have done it, done that if he liked her and then calls Joey boy meets world. <laughs> I, I would not in my head have realized like boy meets world was code contemporary with this movie. Like, but I did like the dig. Oh, I definitely think it would have been contemporary with this uh-huh. movie. Yeah, it's just not something I thought. Of, yeah. So Kate's now making out with the 40 year old. They ride away on a bike. She's holding the helmet as they drive away. Mm-hmm. Put that thing on. Yeah. Either See. don't wear a helmet, just don't hold it. Because then you're like, one of your three points of contact is totally lost, too. I mean, I'm not a motorcycle guy. But it seems really dangerous and unnecessary. So cut back to Dade on his classic Mac in his bedroom. He's programming what seems to be a sprinkler alarm. Again, we don't see any of the hack. We just get this next day. He's in the school hallway umbrella sprinklers are off and the freak is loving this. I don't know why Kate got gets wet. Ask him what's going on. And he says the pool on the roof must have a leak. And the freak is just as wet as everybody else, but really digging the prank. I guess we're cutting to English class And the kids are writing quotes on the board. I never once did this in, I don't know. I don't know how, like 16 years, 17 years of school. seems like a complete waste of time. (laughs) And they're writing in chalk, which I hate the texture of. So I would, I would just, I'd have to quit the class, I guess. Uh, So Kate writes a feminist quote from her mom's book. uh, That's not, not just, not feminist, even pretty toxic. (laughs) Uh, And, Dade writes a Ginsburg quote that I don't know, seems profound or whatever, but also what is, what are we learning about these kids being geniuses by them copying a quote onto the board? I don't get it. Well, I think it's like, I, I don't know. I think it's, they're just trying to build these characters up to say that they're not just like techno kids. They also are, are schooled in the humanities mm-hmm. because you know, I, I think yeah. that's just where, and also their quotes just play so into their backstory, right? I think oh, this okay. is a shortcut for backstory. Well, you know, shout out to episode one where I make the argument that English is more important class for computer security <laughs> people. So, yeah, yeah, because um, she her quote, like you said, is like very much about you know. Her Have dad you, wasn't in the picture. That's what it sounds like. Her. Yeah, her dad was in the picture, but I forget exactly what her quote was, but it's just basically something about, you know, she's a strong woman. Dave no, it's something is, like God gave men something so they didn't have to walk around humping women's legs or something. It's like really something like that. Oh, they made men's brains bigger than dogs, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, strong woman, uh, female quote, and then yeah. he's got the Ginsburg, you know, he's like a you know, philosophical hacker. And then Matthew Lillard has the Ozzy Osbourne (laughs) because he's just, yeah. Now. So, and he uses what in this movie is supposed to be his real name, Emmanuel Goldstein, which is actually a pseudonym of a very famous, uh, eighties and nineties and still computer security influencer. The guy who founded 2600 magazine, I think his real name is like Eric Corey, but Emmanuel goes Goldstein is for sure his pseudonym. So that's a, that's a shout out to him Uh, is that. Okay. And I don't, I don't know, (laughs) but he's definitely in the wrong cast. So Kate complains about Dade being in the class that it's not, he shouldn't be an advanced AP English or whatever. Uh, The teacher shows her the printout, which I don't know why a teacher would ever even tolerate (laughs) that or none of my teachers would ever done that. And then, um, but 
Emmanuel Goldstein or serial killer, as we later learn him by. He is definitely in the wrong class and gets kicked out. We got more mom Dade college talk. Dade complains about the lack of grass in New York. Not my experience. Maybe it was then, but he hates New York. I don't know. He's just, he's troubled. Uh, Now back to space camp rave. These are the best scenes in the movie. Every time they go to space camp rave, it's about to get on. Now Lillard is spewing, which by the way, Emmanuel Goldstein is a pseudonym that's referencing 1984. So I think that they actually did pepper in even a little of this, you know, kind of DNA back to uh, Emmanuel Goldstein, the hacker, um, you know, in terms of his like Orwellian commentary here. Well, doesn't he, like in this scene, he makes a direct reference to 1984, Matthew Yes, yeah, no, that's what I mean. So that Emmanuel Goldstein, the name, which is, in the movie, is supposed to be just his name. That is also a reference to 1984. That's a character in 1984, I think. Okay, um, now, he's talking and introduces serial killer. It's at C, as in Fruit Loops, they say. Joey's trying to tell a story. Everybody's talking over him, which is pretty class, classic. Freak asks serial if he has the Crayola books. And Freak starts listing off a bunch of colors. And as they go through this, Dade explains what they are. So there's like the green book, International Unix Environments, orange book, Computer Security Criteria, DOD Standards. Now, we have a mutual friend and colleague who is a contributor to some of these books. These are real things. Not, I don't know necessarily if the colors line up with what they're talking about, but these, they, I've always, I heard them called as rainbow books and I sure I had downloaded some from BBSs. but do you have any idea of, uh, I guess it's, it's rude to make me, uh, to make you guess, but our, our friend and colleague, Sammy Miguez was a contributor to a lot of the DOD, uh, Rainbow books. Ah, very interesting. Um, Unique track. And I also do remember, not with any of these books, but the thing that they talk about, like <clears throat> the ugly pink shirt book is because of the guy with the ugly pink shirt on the mm-hmm. IT computer manual. This was very, this was common. We used to, at, at least in my circle, we mostly referenced computer books that were all published by O'Reilly because they all had a, at a, uh, animal on their cover. So it'd be like the owl book was like the said ox manual or something yep. like that. Uh, back to Joey's story. He obviously has no clue what he's doing. <laughs> he's messing around. <laughs> he says he finally figures out it's a bank. And then the next morning, sorry, 700 bucks uh, shoots out of an ATM in Bumsville, Idaho. By the way, Idaho is a beautiful state. Stop. <laughs> these. What, what are these guys? Shaming. <laughs> so beautiful. Uh, and the others tell him not to hack banks from his house, uh, from out of state. It's a federal crime. So they're, they're like, uh, then they get into more hackers speak here. Three most common used passwords, love secrets and sex. And then somebody throws in a fourth one. God, bad passwords, definitely realistic. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we saw when I was cracking Unix password files, before I watched this movie, I'm sure those popped up. So I'll say that that's at least uh, reasonable. And then if you want to be elite, you got to do a righteous hack, like hacking a Gibson, which are supercomputers, they explain. And the freak says the security is too good. This name, the Gibson, I was interested. This is the first time I've ever looked into why this is called the Gibson, and it is important to us. Uh, do you have any idea why it's called the Gibson? I do not. So 
at the time, the primary thing you would think about of a supercomputer is a Cray, named after Cray Supercomputer or Seymour Cray, the engineer. So my theory is these guys didn't want to call it something real, so they found another relatively household, I mean, not, not a household name, but at the time, you know, another name that would pop up. And there was a guy named, there is a guy named Steve Gibson who developed some early forensic software called Spinrite, still in, I guess, still produced today, um, was a hardware engineer as well, developed the Apple Light Pen. But do you know what this, what Steve Gibson is most famous for today? Um, no. He hosts a better security podcast than we do. He hosts security now. So that guy, that's, this is my theory. I mean, I, I, there's not a clear line that I found of like, this is what you're doing. This is why you were doing it. <laughs> um, but that, that's, that I think is, so Steve Gibson, who is, you know, was, was a known, you know, computer security person or both computer person and security person and hardware he developed something like the light pen for the apple computer and stuff like that uh that's that's my theory is they just picked a famous person and named this computer after hmm. in parallel with seymour cray and the crazy supercomputer okay during this scene i had something here that i specifically wanted to ask you about it's not mm-hmm. about the supercomputer and how it got its name oh, it's well. that joey is when they're doing the flashback of him retelling this story Mm-hmm. He keeps affectionately referring to his computer while he's doing the hack as Lucy. Uh-huh. Okay. So he's named his computer. And I was wondering, have you ever done that? I name almost all of my computers. Really? Okay. What's the name of your most recent computer? Hydrogen. Now I'm I'm on just, just periodic elements. Mm, that's less fun. But at the time, the mm-hmm. computer that I would be using was, uh, I had Cyrus and Orion. Hmm. So like that would be the computers that I... You know, the, so when you, I mean, you have to name computers when you're installing like Linux. I mean, you don't any, I mean, you don't anymore. You could just get the DHCP name or whatever, but that was a thing you did. It asked you for the host name of the computer. Well, okay. I guess I meant like personifying. Given I think, it, it, I think his is a pet name and right. I think it's about a teenage boy is, you know, <laughs> being maybe a little bit too affectionate with this uh, with his computer or whatever, but yeah. Um, so basically we get a uh, day talking about if he had to get into a Gibson, how he would do it. And w- what does he go back to war game style? He basically repeat retells the, maybe that'll be the opening, uh, uh audio of this podcast. He retells if he was going to hack some hack heavy metal, he'd work his way through some low security and try the back door. Meanwhile, I don't know. Serial is just like rubbing his nipple at this point. I don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So they start arguing about fries. Now we see Joey hacking, and oh boy, somehow intermixed with a lot of street traffic. I guess that's just the visual style they're going for. And we get our favorite sysop, who is Pen from Pen and Teller. <laughs> yes, Pen Gillette is the guy in the knock <laughs> and very strong graphics for the Gibson. Uh, Joel's got his computer name, Lucy Gillette gets an alarm and calls the antagonist. Also, we see another can of jolt by the bedside. Yep. I saw calls that him too. Mr. Belford and he comes back and says, my name is the plague. And this is played by Fisher Stevens, who 
was uh, before this made famous by portraying the sidekick uh, in Short Circuit. And yes. that's obviously a bit sensitive now because he was a white guy playing an Indian guy for no real reason. <laughs> I think that that's by all accounts. Why is he? Why can't he just be himself? Um, they get and and so now Penn or I don't know this guy's name, but this is up played by Penn. I'm just going to call him Penn. Uh, he's explaining that the subdirectory of the Gibsons, the Gibson, is working really hard. The accounting subdirectory of the Gibson is working really hard. Whoa, I don't know, Dennis. I would have to do a lot of work in order to make a tangible explanation of how a subdirectory does work. Do you want me to do it? <laughs> yes, I do want you to do it. Before you dive into that, I do want uh-huh. <laughs> as Joey is breaking into this, the screen that Penn is watching is showing him type in the password God. Like in yes, plain text. Also, in giant font on reminiscent the of war games. Usernames and passwords are the same thing in this. Exactly. Movie. Yes, that was my yeah. other note. Okay. All right. So please describe. So if I were analyzing going. a performance problem with a Unix system, one of the things I might do is look to see what processes are consuming all of the resources, including using a utility called fuser to associate the process IDs to open files. So if you're analyzing a performance issue, you could see one of the performance dimensions would be IO, right? It, uh, so the input output activity of a disk. And therefore you might say that you're doing a lot of IO work against that subdirectory on the back end. And then he also follows up that says there's a user online who is doing the workload of 10 users. So he thinks we've got a hacker. Now, if I, I mean, I so eloquently put that in, in, you know, that took about mm, 15 years of before I was even a computer security guy, I was a performance guy, but he thinks that there's a hacker based on this anomaly, which that association of workload to whatever, this is how hackers at the time got caught. Like, I mean, the cuckoo's egg, the guy, mm-hmm. it was a, it was an amount of work that got done that wasn't accounted for. Um, yeah, this is, you caught hackers not through having fancy security controls at the time. You caught hackers through performance issues mainly. Yes. Joey copies the garbage file. You're a CS grad. What language do you think that uh, these garbage files are associated with? Later on, we'll talk about the virus that produces these or whatever, but. Uh, C. Objective C has garbage collection, mm-hmm. so it could be Objective C. My my theory is it's probably either Lisp, which is where garbage collection first came from and would be in usage in esoteric supercomputers of the day, as well as Perl, which would be the more modern, you know, version of that. Or it's just completely made up, and I'm doing more work for the movie. <laughs> I think it may be that because what do we see when Joey peeks into the garbage file? At which yes. point I made well, a I mean, horrible, you're horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. Well, okay. So, yeah, we see a lot of equals MC squared and stuff lying by the water. <laughs> it's very weird science. This is very reminiscent of the weird science cut. But then, then we cut back to boring old Mac OS. The plague comes in. Penn's got the activity narrowed down to Terminal 23. And this is also realistic. Plague uh, wants to echo 23. So he wants to connect to the serial interface on 23. 
And basically, we used to use a utility called TTY Snoop to monitor, you know, what was passively monitor what would be happening on a, on a line like that. So there's lots more Tron there. God wouldn't be up this late. So he knows who the user God is, user slash password God is, um, in the play gas for the switching control center so that they can basically map the serial line to the PBX or whatever and trace the call with the phone company. Joey's mom comes in, unplugs Lucy. Pen gets in, Pen informs flags he's disconnected, but they got the trace. And Joey hides a three and a half inch floppy, which you and I know are totally unreliable, in the air vent with whatever he got before mom plugged it. Yes. All caught up? All caught up. That, so, that all is he, right. I think the one thing that <laughs> we, we glazed over, which I just thoroughly enjoyed, was the plague riding his skateboard into the knock okay. wearing a trench coat. Up until 2017, I would have say, said, that is completely ridiculous. In 2017, you or I were at a very official work event, and one of our colleagues, sure as heck, was riding a skateboard around a hotel all weekend. So I've seen people on rollerblades, or on roller skates. I've seen people on skateboards. Yeah, gotta say. That's somewhat real. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I just love the plagues branding. The other thing too, I don't. Th- it hasn't happened yet in the movie, but how other characters in the movie will refer to him as Mister the Plague. <laughs> yeah, Mister the Plague. I love it. Like it's they're just getting over that working at an insurance company thing where like nobody's allowed to have beards, and then he, which is a is an interesting dynamic. You got the answers right. You're the you're the guy who knows stuff that other people don't know. So he he does take all of the you know the the rope that people give him um, you know and, and kind of does this stuff which I it's yeah it's not that's not the most alien part about this movie to me I, I think that actually resonates a little bit um, okay. so Dade the freak and serial are outside an apartment and a guy in a Jawa hood <laughs> opens up and freak greets Nikon and introduces Crash Override. Nikon says he hasn't heard of him, slams the door, opens it back up. Dade, you know, asks if he's done anything. Dade says no, playing it cool. Nikon slams the door again. Nikon opens it up, <laughs> asks him if his mom bought him a pewter. And this is the first time I ever remember the word pewter ever coming in for Christmas. Asks the others if they know anything. The freak vouches for him as being elite or lead i think the freak is pretty good about saying the word elite but obviously i went back i actually rewound it to just see if it was mm-hmm. elite and it was definitely elite uh-huh so they come in and then serial asks if he can crash there and nikon is super excited to have a visitor i, I guess you know now we cut to secret service agent richard gill the hero of the movie <laughs> <laughs> Wendell Pierce from The Wire. This guy's such a good actor. Uh, and yeah, he's on TV way. complaining about hackers. Yes. And I think this movie is star-studded. There is a lot of famous people. Uh-huh. Uh, For sure. That, yeah. yeah, we'll get to some more of them soon. But yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. In fact, actually, yeah, a very famous person has a minor, minor role that we will be introduced to shortly. Really? Looking forward to it. So he's on TV complaining about hackers. Serial calls him a boner. They get interrupted by, so they cut in to Razor and Blade. If you want to call this a hack, I think broadcasting with a powerful enough analog phone 
or analog RF uh, video feed, like NTSC PALS feed, is a pretty good hack. Like, who knows what the range is, but... And that that I think would be doable. So I, I like the idea of this, like they're just basically broadcasting their own signal over. Yes. And, and, and actually, you get that capture. It would it would also have like a capture effect of pretty much blanking out whatever, whatever was there. Yeah, because wasn't that, that would have been, I, I, I do not know this off the top of my head. I just Googled it right now while you were talking, but that Max Headroom uh, kind of had to hack. Did you ever, that one no, I, in yeah. Chicago? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know about that one. So. Oh, okay. It was just where it like took over the television broadcast of two stations in Chicago. And it was just a weird video of someone wearing a yeah. max headroom mask. Now, if you're going to do it today, you would probably use, you know, software to find radio amplifiers and, you know, homegrown antennas. If you're going to do it back then, you probably, because of you're probably using like FCC licensed transmitters. So you probably had to like scrounge up some old mm. equipment. That would be my guess because, there is, there was, and still is amateur radio stuff designed for like single scan TV and stuff like that, but it wouldn't transmit on these bands. So I, I liked it. Uh, cut to Joey in the shower with a Walkman singing. I'm a wild one. Did you happen to catch that? He has plastic bags over the, Oh the no, I didn't. Part. I was going to complain here. I was going to complain about the reality of wearing Sony Walkman headphones in the shower, but you're, you got it. <laughs> Nailed it. Now, he pulls back the shower curtain. What do we got? <laughs> we got a SWAT team bursting through with a shotgun in his face. Yep, more guns in face, fingers on trigger, very yeah. shaky. He, the guy actually has his finger on the trigger while he racks the shotgun. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of moving parts on that one. They start taking his computer, and one of multiple instances where we see some unnecessary boy butt in this movie, Joey dies over the couch, and he's still in basically the towel he was wearing around his waist falls down. Yeah, I don't know what what they were going through, but not the first or last boy butt, or actually the first but not last boy butt we see in the movie. <laughs> uh, Joy gets arrested. Agent Gill arrives and tells his sidekick, who is explaining that they got, got the hard drive intact, to speak in playing English and that he didn't spend 10 years protecting the president to feel like an idiot. I got to say, I have been in a situation very similar to this. Uh, 20... 14, I was working for, or 2013 probably, working for US Bank at the time. And there was a director, obviously there's like an IT security organization, but there's also an executive protection and physical security. Like like they teach people what to do in bank robberies and stuff. And the guy, I forget his name, so I couldn't tell you. Um, the guy, and it's not the same guy that has the job now, but the guy in charge of executive production and this physical security thing, we were working with because in... Richard Davis's office area, there was an unauthorized Wi-Fi access point. So we were talking to, and so he got, I was involved because I was like the person who could probably solve it technically that had the most experience dealing with the executives. So that's why I was involved. And this guy put me on the phone with basically the IT, the IT guy that catered to these, to the executives. And that guy who was, you know, probably had 30 years of law enforcement, retired experience before he got this job, put the other guy on the phone and said, you two guys speak propeller head to each other. (laughs) (laughs) So I have been burned in a similar way that Agent Gill is burning his sidekick. Oh, my God. I love this. This sounds exactly like my dad. 
you two guys talk propeller head to it to each other figure this out <laughs> i was like okay uh <laughs> So Gil is is giving press quotes about hackers writing viruses, stealing information. Joey's being perp walked with his quirky mom running after him. Cut to the corporate HQ. So this is where we see, we don't know what this company does yet, but if I were to guess at this point in the movie, I would guess escalator manufacturer. <laughs> there is a surplus of escalators in this office. Did you notice that? I did not notice that. Also, big missed opportunity for some of these hacks, like to for the hacker to be turning the escalators all going down and preventing people from getting up to the right floor for the <laughs> network <laughs> operations. So this room is just loud. This whole building is lousy with escalators. And in walks Lorraine Bracco, Tony Soprano psychologist, psychiatrist. Uh, who immediately gives play gruff about his outfit, which has happened to me, <laughs> not by Lorraine Blacko, but uh, and I think he looks pretty cool. I don't, I don't know. What, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. And he complains about her using his first name, which is Eugene, uh, and starts doing the root cause analysis of the hack. Guess what? The root cause. Brocco's God account slash password. And she's all business and says like, it's your job to prevent this. And he's quick to point out that he didn't read his memo on bad passwords. Yes. Training. Sometimes not a great awareness control. (laughs) So he claims now we hear that he's claiming a hacker has planted a virus and he's eating a crunch bar. (laughs) And I love that he offers some crunch bar to this guy in a suit at the end of the table, (laughs) like right off the tip of where he's been eating. You're like, what's up? (laughs) Brocco asks about the virus and he said, okay, so then they, they leave. Uh, Or Brocco asks about the virus and he says that a hacker has inserted the virus into the ballast software of an oil tanker, which flooded its tanks and capsize. And this is basically ransomware. And they get into a conversation that's very akin to the Whopper situation to say they've taken people out of the loop. Their mm. Gibson controls all of the ballast through a satellite uplink, all of the ballast software, and there's no physical controls. So you really can't stop this incredibly destructive force from tipping over and causing these ecological disasters, right? Yes. And actually, you know, again, I have to say, I know that we, I've been, um, I was saying that how inaccurate or or just made up most of this is, but again, you know, ransomware here. I think another thing that sounds plausible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that these boats don't have any way to, I mean, (laughs) they're relying on this like very, uh, (laughs) yeah. uh, uh, unreliable type of you know satellite communication or whatever which is all one way right they couldn't even yeah so but i i they're yeah they they closed they closed some it's very similar to to uh probably stolen from the plot of war games to that respect <laughs> uh plague explains that his he that his tip off to the uh secret service caught the hacker so now and so this is all basically he engaged the secret service to confiscate the data so he can get what he's saying is the original virus code to eliminate the hacker from the Gibson. So he's going to basically, you know, find some unique patterns in the code, scan the Gibson for it so that he can delete it. Or that's what he's claiming. Now, 
we're back in Escalator Town. They're leaving multiple stores. It takes about three hours to escalate down the Skyrise building, de-escalate down <laughs> the Skyrise building. And the plague is reassuring suits that it's very common. They don't have anything to worry about. Secret Service is 100% helping them out. And Brocco pulls him over, gets in his face, and he explains he had to create the virus because the hacker caught his lisp garbage file that contained clues that they were embezzling 25 million and that he was the one who is holding the tankers hostage for ransom so brock goes in on it she was in on the embezzling scheme and now he's created the secondary thing to cover that up malicious insider threat Mm. 101 by the way you're not going to talk about like the leonardo da vinci kind of like uh vitruvian man <laughs> that's talking as part no, of No, you virus. that's all you buddy. You're, yeah. <laughs> well that was no, just yeah. like uh why like that that was one of the over the top UI things but uh mm, kind of dug it a little bit. Definitely I would have <laughs> younger me would have loved that part of the movie. <laughs> so Brocco doesn't so much like the ecological disaster he's pretty cavalier about it. She says get the file or lose all of your toys. So he's like a gadget guy. I guess he needs $25 million to buy gadgets. And then boom, back on the escalator. This time he's going up back, back in escalator town. <laughs> it looks like a, a, I don't know, a game of dig dug in this place with these escalators. <laughs> so Gil and the plague are talking, chatting. Gil is asking if he found the virus. The plague says, no, he's either very smart or very stupid or somewhere in between. It's just, um, so the sidekick is now, so Gil's sidekick is now inside the room with Joey, just like putting on a power glove. This is the, the, <laughs> the, the, the classic, what was a classic eighties move in like the wizard <laughs> with the power glove reveal. Now it's eight years later and we still think that the power glove is a sign of cyber elitism. <laughs> Yes, I have actually seen a documentary about the Power Glove. I watched it too. Yeah, oh, you did. Okay. We're going to do that next week. <laughs> <laughs> so Gil decides to release Joey so they can track him and follow him back to the disc. So they they do get this idea that whatever whatever um, <clears throat> uh, you know. So the Gil thinks he's looking for the virus, but really they're looking for the garbage file. So they cut him loose. Now. They cut to the sidekicks on stakeout outside Joy's high rise. And one of them is reading something. Do you know anything about this? Uh, Is this the bald white guy that is in there reading? The bald white guy is the guy that's reading. Agent Bob. But the sidekick, the one that's into computers and hacking. Mark Antony. Oh, yeah, right? That's the famous, that was the super, he's probably the most famous person in this. Well, I, I, by yeah, I was trying to place him, but yeah, you're right. That's exactly who it is. But yeah. <laughs> so do you know what, do you know what this is? What he's reading? I don't remember. This, this is a f- famous kind of hacktivism poem called the mentor's last words. Mm. And in the nineties, this is something that was really circulating on BBSs, and and so that and he's reading straight from it, right? And the guy that's into it is kind of inspired by, it, and the other guy's like, "This seems Marxist." He calls it commie bullshit, I think, right? Um, but the the kind of the plot of the thing is computers are open; it, it's an equalizer, um, and they do 
hackers do this type of thing for, you know, mental stimulation or whatever. But that, so that is a real thing. And that I did recognize even my first watching the movie of being real and time appropriate. Um, random high school fight in the bathroom. <laughs> Cereal's trying to crash at Freaks again. Uh, they catch up on Joey's bust and Cereal's obsessed. He's always got a toothbrush. I don't know why he's always got a toothbrush. I've noticed it well, clearly here, but I didn't notice that later that this toothbrush. He had a toothbrush while he was talking about his mixtape with vomit. And then he has another toothbrush here. So they're hinting that he's got a, a fixation with this toothbrush. Oh, okay. Now cut to the plague playing VR with a vest that has a sheriff's badge on it. <laughs> so this guy is in VR cosplaying and the VR looks just like the VR setup from Disclosure. So I'm guessing that that was like a real high-priced and probably MGM. I don't know if MGM made Disclosure, but probably in some prop company, <laughs> they it probably is the same VR rig. Uh, probably. And, yes. And I he is uh, – I know at one point he punches with his non-VR controller hand at something. <laughs> <laughs> now, VR is a thing. Have you – have you dabbled in any of the new VR technology? I have not. New VR stuff. Uh, Oculus, any any of that stuff? Yes, I think I was in Oculus uh, that I had tried. Uh, nothing, whatever that new Half-Life game runs on, Alex, I think. Or no, that mm. is the Half-Life game. There's some mm-hmm. like Val, uh, or is it a Steam VR? I haven't done any of that. But I had gone at amusement parks in Virginia at King's Dominion, they had a VR setup that was exactly like what the plague is oh, okay. in in this. Gotcha. So I have used like with that giant clunky headset that kind of thing before. Uh huh. Gotcha. And where you're in like this circle, like so that you can't basically, <laughs> I guess, wander around. So it also is tracking the foot pad stuff. Like he's walking in place. I think is the yeah. Idea. The, that one, the one at King's Dominion, did not have that. Oh, okay. So Gil arrests Dade as an accomplice for this whole thing. More guns being pointed haphazardly. And now the plague is brought in for their game of bad cop, bad cop. And the plague, very similar to Dabney and War Games, the plague (laughs) goes mano a mano with the kid. And uh, we see a flashback of the kid in the nice hair, the cardigan, the young Dade boy. (laughs) And... Uh, the plague kind of covers the 1998 details that we already know, which is a little bit of wasted time, both in the movie and the podcast that we're hosting now. <laughs> and we learn that it's Ellisong Mineral Computer, which I'm not buying. My guess, Escalator Factory. <laughs> so they're looking for a disc and da- and want Dade to find it, basically. So the plague gets some time alone. Hacker to Hacker says he respects that 11-year-old could write such an impressive virus. Uh, for and then he kind of does the we're the same you and me. Mm-hmm. We don't have friends or family. We've got temporary allies or enemies. Like the idea that you're, they're not. He's not just hacking computers. He's hacking people. By the way, this resonates a little bit of not everybody, but you do see a collision here of people in. I don't know if it's a disproportionate amount or if it's just evident because like, but you do encounter people at times that you feel like they're always engineering you like in, 
and and maybe you maybe it's more noticeable with with computer security people from here or something like that. But I don't. It does resonate. I'm not sure if you see well, if you get any. Uh, I've seen that. I think what took me out of the plague speech about the Amano Amano and after he does drop that, you know, like we're like our own nations or our own countries and we have no friends or families. Like when the conversation turns and he starts threatening Dane with, you know, I will make it so you can't go to college so you'll have no future. Again, I just, that I like, I was like, well, that's, that seems like a very un the plague thing to say. Cause I would feel like the plague would all be, would be all about, you know, not having to have a college degree to to be successful, you know. <laughs> I don't think like the plague went to an amazing. I'm not college. sure that that was a, quite a thing yet. I think, I think the plague is probably a college guy. Hmm. Um, but so the plague's trying to recruit him. Immediately switch from bad cop to even worse cop. Has got a baseball bat. Doesn't seem like Data's the kind of kid that would own a baseball bat. By the way, I mean, I, I think it, would he yeah. move that to his small apartment in New York City from Seattle? I think it's like, hey, they're in the big scary city. Oh, you think it's a security? Bat. I think bat. it's a security bat. Oh, okay, better. That's that's fair. He picks up the bat and uh, just smashes the stereo to prove the point. And Dade says, "Blow me!" And the plague says, "Thank you." Not sure I quite follow <laughs> I that. Wasn't little following that either, quip. but so Dade has a naughty dream about Kate, where the Secret Service then interrupts them. <laughs> Which has got a lot of layers to it. I'm not sure like the storytelling uh, thing here, but most of the story is told through Dade's erotic dreams and, and <laughs> yeah, flashes, TV flashbacks, and yes. yeah, daydreams. But so, I mean, their best friend is is uh, is in trouble. They just this psychopath just came into Dade's house and threatened his mom or whatever. You know what I love? Nice house party. Let's get out of this place. Let's let's throw a nice '90s house party mm-hmm. at Kate's house, and let's get Nikon to DJ while he's drinking a martini. That's my weekend. What are you doing this weekend? Nothing that cool. I can assure you. <laughs> and Nikon, now we now know, has a photographic memory that he's used to creepily memorize oh. where all the girls live. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, where did he even come across seeing that in the first place? Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, now we have uh, phones with us all the time, but can you imagine like any girl like, oh, uh, hey, uh, you live so-and-so. Like, that's not a <laughs> that's not a good way to... Not a, not a good vibe to be putting out there. Yeah, don't get that, uh, that play. Um, so cut to... Oh, cut to Alcoholics Anonymous, <laughs> which Joeing is being forced to go to for computer addiction. And this is a 15, 16-year-old kid who's like smoking and drinking 18 cups of coffee a day. He should be an AA, uh, regardless. And it's, it is obvious that he does have a computer addiction, I guess. I think it's the point, but. Yes. Uh, back to the house party. The boys are now jonesing over Kate's new laptop. This is... Next to some of the creepy stuff going on in other places, this is probably this uh, is the and also of creepiness, yes. And Kate is making out with the forty-year-old Curtis while they watch. Like, so they're <laughs> mostly interested in the new laptop, but they're also uh, committing, I think, a felony peeping charge or something <laughs> some like that. Some weird like, voyeuristic thing. Is yeah, happening here. yes, not not cool, guys. But she forgives them because they like her laptop. <laughs> So <laughs> she starts talking about 
Yeah, she started talking about laptop. We had two scenes of this, but she wants to triple the RAM. She says that before she even notices that Dade is in the room. <laughs> so she's like, oh, yeah, it's my new laptop. Oh, my God, Dade, I don't like you. So then Dade, because uh, Freak calls her Burn, and Dade figures out that Kate is acid burn. So they go back and forth a bit talking about tape library fights. Cut back to Plague hacking the NCIC criminal database with Brocco is in the apartment. So now it's clear that they're more than just embezzling buddies, right? Mm. They're, uh, mm-hmm. They've got some extracurricular stuff going on there. And the plague explains that he's going to get through Dade through his mother, which seems obvious. <laughs> it's his only family member. <laughs> like, did he really need to do the backstory on that one? Uh, we get cut back to the house party. Second scene about uh, the laptop. Kate says it's too much machine for him. And she says, I hope you don't screw like you type. I don't know if at for the time he's typing quickly. Because it doesn't seem like he's typing quickly to me. <laughs> or maybe it's a poke at how badly he types, how clumsily he types. And that would make more sense, maybe. You got to read on that? I think it's quickly. Uh, I don't know here. I just, I'd never heard this insult before. So let's say, let's say it's quickly. By the way, anytime we're ever in a room alone together, I'm going to whisper this into your ear. (laughs) (laughs) So they get into some more tech talk. Now, this tech talk I have mixed emotions about. So she says it's a P6 chip, which P6 would be Pentium Generation 6, which at the time, the Pentium Pros were probably pending release. So she's got what would be a... 686 Pentium Pro type of computer. Dade says it's got a PCI bus. This was appropriately timed that the PCI bus would be replacing ISA bus. So the old expansion cards or video cards would have been on a industry standard architecture, either eight or 16 bit card. These PCI bus cards, peripheral component interconnect would be 16 or 32 bit and we're still using a variant of pci right pci mm-hmm. i don't know extreme 16 or whatever <clears throat> i know 90s computer hardware better than <laughs> today's computer hardware but here's where it goes wrong is kate says risk is going to change everything that is not a risk processor so there were popular risk processors at the time like the the processor that was in the powerbook or a deck alpha or a SGI that had a MIPS processor, like a Sun Spark. Those are all RISC architectures. So RISC is reduced instruction set computer, and CISC is complex instruction set computer. So if like you go megahertz to megahertz, usually RISCs do things faster um, using more instructions, but in serialization faster. Mm. I don't know a lot about hardware, but I do know what those acronyms stand for at least. And then they recap their little tape robot fight and they create a challenge between each other. So if she wins, he becomes her slave doing script kitty type of stuff for her. Mm -hmm. So he becomes kind of like a secretary. And if he wins, he gets a date with her and she has to smile. Don't necessarily like this idea, but whatever. (laughs) Semi-consensual, I guess. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is very flirty behavior. They're 
you know, okay. I, I didn't, this didn't, you ever this, have a, this was you ever, have you ever wagered a date with anybody? I have not. Hmm. I have How not fast ever. do you type? <laughs> Very quickly. Okay. Um, okay. So the contest parameters are, they're going to both screw with Gil, the loving husband and secret service agent who's just trying to do his job after <laughs> years of a patriot protecting the president. <laughs> and they're going to camo their keyboard. Oh, I love which, it. Which, by the way, keyboard. would destroy a keyboard. I don't know how many keyboards were destroyed in replicating this little bit, but you cannot spray paint into a IBM PS2 mechanical keyboard or a laptop keyboard. La- even worse, laptop keyboard. Oh, oh God. Uh, Dave does a, t- a legit taxi driver mirror thing with a floppy disk. Yes. <laughs> Concealed carry floppy disks. I was like thinking, is this like him doing taxi driver? And then he even says the taxi, one of the taxi driver line. I forget what he says, right? What you talking to me? That sounds yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then they're hacking mostly from public payphones, which Half of the people listening to this podcast, I mean, they watched war games, hopefully, so they'll know what a public payphone looks like. A lot of payphones in this movie. Yes. Kate turns off Gil's credit cards, which embarrasses him on a date. Dade opens up a personal for him. This is not hacking. That's exactly what I had right here, too. Like, they show him overriding a personal ad, but it's like... Created a personal, like just create a personal and, ad. Like, and the real victims here are all the people responding to this personal ad who yeah. just, you know, they they come from different, you know, whatever. They they're just interested in different criteria. That what what is this? Um, you know that that these people are lambasted by date and connected to, um, you know, and and brought into this. So I think that they're the real victims here. Is, yeah, is I don't, everybody. Yeah, I mean, they're getting catfished. This is not. This is not. A, yeah, not. Not cool. This not is definitely cool, not Dave. cool. This doesn't jive so, by with the like way, the hacktivism kind of we care about. Yeah. So right now, Kate is up one zero. Totally. Right? And she is like the, the is not, not, only, not only was the card decline, but it was then cut up in front of them too, which I Oh that I've used never to, seen that, that ever happen. Before. It doesn't happen anymore because there's no before you would do carbon impressions. So you didn't have live transactions. So if there was mm. somebody who did have access to a live transaction, even in the nineties, this could have been true. Then if they got a directive, some of the directives were to say, destroy card so that he couldn't run across the street, use somebody who's using carbon impression paper and, you know, calling uh, it in later yes. through okay. accounting. So that um, probably not at this time would they have done it, but that is a real mechanism at the time so gill answers all of the phone calls to these personal ads by the way unplug the phone i don't know like get a new extension <laughs> why is he answering it's his work phone line get a new extension <laughs> uh cut to new york city rooftop antenna farm my favorite place in this movie i love they don't they're not doing anything with any of the antennas but i do like that there's an antenna farm on these roofs uh i'm yeah. an antenna guy She's using a lineman handset. Got to throw an authenticity thing in here. I had a lineman handset at the time, like, you know, like the phone company would use alligator clip onto stuff. I don't know why I had one, (laughs) but I did own one before the movie. And to add traffic violations to his car and he gets arrested again. I don't, I mean, they're targeting a guy who didn't do anything wrong, (laughs) 
but she is at least hacking him. So at this point, she's up 2-0, I would say. And the final one in this round, they're back at, and now they're using <laughs> these payphones at a Chinese restaurant that are dressed up as Chinese lanterns and stuff. <laughs> And Dade has changed Gil's official status in some database to be deceased. The ultimate hack. The ultimate hack. We don't see any of the techniques used in any of these events. Uh, So the guys decide the score is tied, although it shouldn't be because one of these things wasn't even a hack. And they up the stakes of the bet to wearing a dress but now it seems like Dade's getting a date either way because it's like he says, okay, if I win on the date, you wear a dress. And she says, if I win, you do too. That means he's yeah, getting Yeah, now it's a date like the date is a way. foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. So. so more weird dreams. Not going to get into it. This time Kate's dreaming of Dade. Mm-hmm. And back at school, Kate drops off a dress for Dade, uh, which we <laughs> yes. really don't see what it looks like. Now we see a UPS package getting delivered, and I think they're playing up the use of a digital signature thing as being very new. I don't think that, like, we probably don't process it now, but they really hone in on the computerness of. I probably UPS was just starting to use those. Yes, in like that gigantic PDA that they were using. Uh huh. Yeah, which that, is that, almost the same thing that they're using today. No, <laughs> like I don't yes. know. Well, like, that's what that's what <laughs> like that was sort of jarring to me watching this. And I was like, I had to stop and think: Were those things around like that? Like we had those back then? I didn't even realize that. That yeah, must be like the first one. And then Dade gets a laptop from Plague with a video message. I guess because they didn't have enough bandwidth to send a QuickTime over. I don't know. I was <laughs> like, just thinking, what a badass move by the Plague to ship a laptop just to like talk crap to somebody. Hmm. Uh, so I guess the email server isn't fast enough for to really exchange video. Plague is still trying to recruit Dade to get the disc and gives him the laptop. Did he like that move? Here's a $3,000 laptop? Yeah, that's what I thought was pretty bad. I said, I, like, I, I'm just going to ship oh, you that's this the laptop. Power move. Okay. That's the, yeah, so that's the big time. Joey, Joey is now reading a book about the Mona Lisa <laughs> as an explanation of the most boring thing you can do in your bedroom. His mom ungrounds him because she feels bad that he's resorted to learning about art history. (laughs) And he gets the disc and takes it to his friends. But Gil's sidekicks are on the trail. Mm -hmm. And he gives the disc to Freak, who notices the goons. I'm using (laughs) the goons. They are standing literally right behind while they Uh do this illegal activity. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Joey runs for it. I don't know why, because he hasn't done it. I guess because presumably he's not allowed to have a disc in his hand. Yeah. I don't know. Clearly. And the freak hides the disc behind a locker. He starts trashing his stuff at home. So the freak is now doing like a war game style cleanup or, you know, in Die Hard 4, they have the classic. A lot of movies have this like cleanup thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, but he's just putting things into one plastic bag. I guess we don't see what he does with the plastic bag, but he's just basically putting all of the evidence in one easy to move place. All right, That's- more guns. I did like this one. So the, the cops break into the freak's apartment. They're pointing guns at his face. But his mom starts beating him up, and he's like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Arrest me already. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. Now this is – so the freak is now in jail, mm-hmm. and he gets his one phone call. Okay? Yep. But 
Instead of using his one phone call, he hangs up the phone, then makes a single call by, and this was a real thing. So pulse dialing, right? So the old rotary phones relied on pulse dialing, meaning the mechanical mechanism of the phone essentially toggled the hang-up mechanism. So you could dial a phone by clicking the hang-up bar on a physical phone like that the number of times. So if I wanted to dial two, I could go click, click, another two, click, click. Okay. Uh, so that was a real okay. thing. So he dials, he hits the, the hang-up hook uh, 10 times to get the operator. So that's how you dial a zero. Now, he only makes one call. Just call Kate with his one court-appointed phone call. <laughs> it makes no sense. So this freak can't even slow down to be like, well, I'm just going to call Kate with my one call. He's got to use his call the operator, say that the payphone's broke. Can you connect me to, to the number? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because like, yeah, if he was too scared to tell the cops like, oh, call my friend Kate. I mean, they'd be listening to the phone call no matter what. And he knows that. Yeah. Right? And he, cause he, he even, he uses code he to tell code. her. Yeah. So the Kate, Kate goes into the boys locker room, get the disc. By the way, it, here, but you know, she goes into the boys bathroom and there's a I bunch think it's of, a locker room. Cause he hid, hides it behind a locker thing. Isn't it? No, it? it's a condom machine. Oh my God. I did not. I did <laughs> yes, not because that. when she, when they're all staring at her and she's like feeling around that, doesn't she turn some crank and she walks out with a condom in her hand, like waving it at the guys all, you know, I did. I did not notice that, and yeah. maybe that's something that existed in New York public schools, but not my high school. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't even know. Was it, it? Was that in a high school? I guess it was it a high school or just like a public restroom? Oh, I don't know. Because they were running from the cops, so they like ran from the cops right back to the high school. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now they come to visit Dade, and I think Dade has a brand new stereo. So in the midst of all this stuff, his, his stereo has been replaced with an upgraded model from somewhere. Serial uh, makes another now profound speech, somehow bringing them together closely by mostly just being annoying. And then I want to fact check with you. He says that speech is from Corinthians 1. Can you, uh, as the... Bible expert on the podcast verify that. <laughs> I don't know. You're really okay. you're really stretching my Corinthians one knowledge here. Yeah, we need somebody who maybe maybe we could get Father Lyle on. <laughs> special guest. Special guest Father Lyle. Uh don't listen to episode five, Father Lyle, before <laughs> <laughs> you agree to come on the podcast. All right. Uh Kate has good has uh where are we at? So uh Dade says he can't help because he can't afford to get busted. Kate basically says, okay, but can you at least hold on to the disc? Dade agreed. Dade agrees. She thanks him. They leave. Plague calls Dade. This guy immediately is like throwing the disc at him. (laughs) (laughs) So he asks Dade to turn on the police and Dade sends him some extortion stuff on his mom. He says he's going to make it so that his mom's wanted for forgery, embezzlement, basically uh, the same charges that the 28 year old Persian kid at your high school got, except (laughs) (laughs) like a very similar background and that she's after she's caught and like put in jail, he'll switch it back so that she gets lost in the system and disappear as though she can't say, Hey, I'm this person. They would look up who she was and let her out, I guess. And the plague is eating a sour patch Twizzler thing. 
don't know <laughs> what kind of candy that is. Mm-hmm. Kind of wanted one at the time I was watching this, but you know, I got to <laughs> reduce the sugar. Uh, and then Dade walks out and he covers his mom with a blanket. He's got a protector now. Yes. And she's sleeping on what isn't a futon. It looks like a giant baby crib <laughs> couch. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I was like, is that a futon? But no, it doesn't like fold out. So Dade calls the plague from a payphone now and tells him Kate didn't plant the virus, but he has the disc. And we get some like public domain film music. <laughs> like it's definitely takes a tone switch here. Oh, that's what I was saying. Uh, it goes into a completely weird film noir vibe here. Yeah. And he's and- seemingly <laughs> there for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we get the plague <laughs> in the Marty most- McFlying <laughs> alongside the limo. <laughs> and I watched an interview with Fisher Stevens uh, today in preparation. Obviously you can tell that I've got all this. Background you are, yeah. Stuff. You are very well prepared. And Fisher Stevens said that he immediately got a concussion whenever he tried <laughs> to do any skateboarding. It was like in the, in the London house, they, they're filming this in London, um, which uh-huh. kind of makes sense. Why I guess John, I don't, Johnny Lee. So they're shooting London for New York. So he immediately fell off that skateboard and hated the thing. But so he's Marty McFlying or his stuntman's McFlying. No, that is definitely him. Now, just put your hand out the window and grab this. Dude, it is so (laughs) unnecessary. I was just laughing out loud. I completely, I mean, I forgot a lot of parts of this movie. I definitely did not expect to see him, him, Marty McFlying, but the limo is on the road and his skateboard is like on the sidewalk. So he's holding like <laughs> the side of the car. Just nothing made sense. And it was exactly that. There was this weird exchange and then the limo stops and then he like gets off the skateboard and gets in the limo. And, and Dave is there to give him the disc. He gets the disc. Dave then sprints after a moving yeah. car. <laughs> he just like, why? And he gets winded very quickly, quicker than an 18 year old, like, I think his mom's got a point about him being on the computer too much because he was winded, winded faster than a, a, a man that age. Should yeah. Be. And to your point, like there was so much time elapse happening, like the time, you know, mm-hmm. things are happening. Time is passing of him like that. Okay. You've spent 12 hours thinking all you're thinking about is what's going to happen once you give this disc to this guy. And the second you give it to him, now you change your mind. Which I don't know. I can identify with. <laughs> I can I can maybe come up with situations. But this that was just takes the time. most out of place and my most favorite scene in the whole movie. Okay, so now we get more Kate laptop graphics, and we see a bit of hex code, which is maybe I, I still like hack number one, the TV library fight video library fight, Mm -hmm. but this is probably the second most realistic thing is using hex editor to analyze a truncated file and kind of forensically analyze what it contained. So Dade basically comes in and says, and, and wants to work on this because he gave up the disc. He immediately tells him that he gave up. He's like really bad at keeping secrets, even from himself. (laughs) But so Dave starts carving out the data by staring at it very intently <laughs> and printing it out, wasting a lot of paper. <laughs> oh my and God. Then oh. in his mind, he starts seeing some weird science e equals MC squared stuff fly by. It was at this and, montage in the movie, by the way, where I made my note that you and I would not be friends if we had seen this movie together when it came out. 
Oh, this was the moment. This and then was the Dade, moment. Dade's analysis, which I like that he's finding the root cause of this thing. Dade finds a worm that is Superman three-ing. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean my note. That? that is my, oh my God. Oh, we share the same note. So this is a classic salami scheme, as they say, right? Office space, mm-hmm. uh, Superman three. Basically, they're rounding up transactions and hiding them away in a in a collector so that they can so they've embezzled at this point 21.8 million using the superman 3 scheme and this file contains the evidence to prove it kate realizes that they're just using joey as a scapegoat although i've never even seen kate mention joey (laughs) or know who he is (laughs) yeah be aware of his existence and they're definitely not nice to joey throughout this thing and then dade says he knows it's the plague and that he gave him a copy. Oh, so here's where he admits that he gave him the copy of the disc. He then admits to being zero cool. And Nikon <laughs> recalls it again because the audience needs to know that this was the biggest crash in history. And Nikon says, he thought you, I thought you were black, which I, I did like that, <laughs> that, uh, that joke. And then Dave says, he'll hack the Gibson. And everybody tries to take out of him because basically they're – the the premise is set that if any one person tries to do this for more than five minutes, they're going to get traced and put in jail. Mm-hmm. So Dade starts off and says, man, I can do it in eight minutes. And then it's a, like, I don't know if this is an of my cement thing or something like that, but it's like everybody chips in and like, if I'm involved, we can shave a minute off of that. Or whatever. <laughs> and the, Yeah. The, it turns into some bizarre sort of SAT. If one hacker can hack at two hacks a second, how many hacks? Yeah. Like the, they keep, Everyone mm-hmm. keeps volunteering and the time for the hack keeps going down. Yeah. Makes little to no sense, but they all, you know, say that they can do it in five minutes before they get, and then they start the work and the first step do a little dumpster diving, yeah. which, okay. I did have somebody who applied to a job one time and I don't know if it was listed on the resume where in the interview, it did come up that they were a member of, they were a member of like a greater Seattle dumpster diving user group or something like that. So this existed well into the two thousands, at least of people going through garbage for computer stuff. Uh, Are you going to talk about them shooting a flare gun at the innocent security guard? Oh, okay. Well, here is, yeah, here (laughs) is a series diving. Here's a series of things, right? Uh, Basically we see our first murder in the movie. So Kate murders a security guard with a flare gun. <laughs> then immediately we cut to Nikon and Serial are stealing a manual from a telco guy who then they murder by scaring him, <laughs> making him fall to the bottom of a manhole. Right? Yeah. Now that's two felonies in a row. Mm-hmm. You think we're done? No. Nope. Serial then commits a sexual assault on a receptionist, and we see more gratuitous boy butt as he leaves. So he's now in an office messing with somebody's computer, but he's under the desk. It's not it's not cool. Uh, yeah. Some some things are going on, and we see Nikon shoulder surfing using that eidetic memory of his mm-hmm. to memorize po- uh, fl- passwords, posing as a flower delivery guy. At the escalator factory. And do you think that we're done with the sexual harassment yet in the workplace? Ooh, interesting. I'll have to get back to you on that as we go. Well, because you, you jump in to this, it? In the, oh, are you in this very scene? The plague goes by on a skateboard. 
And yeah, so the the plague is eating another delicious sour patch Twizzler thing. <laughs> skates by, and mention a coworker who. Di- oh, <laughs> this is a note to me to point out that yeah, we did have a coworker that was walking around with the skateboard. So I was just this is my second note to, to remind me of that. So yeah, so what what is uh, the plague tells Brocco that. That that he's got, an, I mean, is there something in that? Am I missing something? Yeah. What is during the, the sh- shoulder surfing scene? Nikon and the plague pass one another in that mm-hmm. in that, and as the plague is skating away on a skateboard, he like slaps the rear end of a woman that is like leaning over a desk or something like that. So, oh no, my yeah. god! So they're, another they're, assault. Yeah, they were cramming. Although them. this time, at least, not committed by the protagonist of the movie, <laughs> yes. uh, or as I, I mean, Gil is really the protagonist of the movie uh, and the hero. So the plague then tells Bracco that the kids have enough evidence to implicate them. Bracco says that he had claimed they were going to be untraceable. And I like this bit because the plague says, well, untraceable to everybody else, not to hackers, right? So he's presuming things about his adversaries. Uh, see podcast three, threat intelligence, <laughs> to, to, to listen to me complain about that type of thinking. And the plague wants to now use the actual virus to get away with at least 5 million, I guess. And he pushes the Secret Service to arrest the kid and Gil immediately does what the plague wants for some reason. But Nikon has tapped her phones. Another felony. <laughs> Although at least it's not murder <laughs> for, for once or an assault. So Nikon hears that. And now they're all reconvening based on this news in a subway car. And they start to inventory what they have. And they've amassed 50 passwords from Nikon and a memo about the Da Vinci virus from the garbage file that's predated to the 15th or something like that. So all that other work in the dumpster, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of the passwords are in the dumpster, but (laughs) really Nikon is the hero of the movie (laughs) in terms of getting passwords to this thing. So then Kate heads off to get help from the space camp rave <laughs> and it <laughs> wants, I don't know if that's where they're at, but razor and blade are there. And Dade says they're flakes and Kate says they're elite thoughts. Um, I wasn't expecting that. I, I wasn't even in the one scene from earlier in the movie. Are they just talking about hack the planet? Was that what like their, their sort of little cameo? Uh, yeah, they're branding themselves, right? Yeah. So I think that, and this is not an uncommon thing for two people to differ about, you know, the authenticity of a public figure like this, right? Of of saying, yeah, they, they actually know some stuff or they're just, you know, they're just on today's version of Twitch trying to get, you know, whatever it is, I guess us with this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so... So yeah, this is like if if two kids came to us and said they wanted help because we're, you know, elite podcasters, would we help them? I think we would help them. I would call Gil so fast. Be like, Gil, (laughs) buddy, here's what I got. Uh, The band playing music I thought was almost Rage Against the Machine, so I looked it up. I looked it up too because I I knew it wasn't Rage Against the Machine, but I'm like – who is this good. Rage Against the yeah, Machine? You almost knockoff. know that they're a real band, and they are. They're like they the are. most popular Dutch 
rock and roll punk band or not punk, but what do you call that? I don't know what I would call that. Honestly, but urban dance squad is the name of the band. And it sounded good. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that I went through all that effort to look them up and then didn't listen to that song in full <laughs> after the movie. So oh, I will do that after. Maybe we'll podcast. use that song as our intro music this time. 15 seconds of it. Yeah. And Kate and Dade explain the whole thing to Razor and Blade. And by the way, they sound annoying and not helpful. And I would say that Dade was probably right. That's a huge waste of their time. But they recommend sending out a major distress signal on the internet. I think this is the first time we, li- we hear the word internet. Mm-hmm. So... They Italian job some streetlights. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, here, speaking of things, was that necessary? No. Totally also, not. I don't think, I think that this is Dade's visual. I think he's getting an idea to Italian job some streetlights and they cut it in as his subconscious. Now we get our chess scene. This is what everybody was waiting for. Nikon is in Union Square reading a book, playing chess against a Hasidic Jew and a guy with a latex vest. <laughs> and I analyze chess scenes with as much integrity as I analyze hacking scenes. Okay. So what are the problems with this scene? Uh, I don't know because like all I, I, I was expecting that scene to end when he moves the piece for the final time and stands up for him to say checkmate. But he says nothing. He just walks <laughs> he away. Doesn't say, he just smiles, which yeah. that is more realistic. Like playing chess in person, maybe in a park like that or whatever, if you were trash talking, you might say check me. But I would definitely here's the problem me. with the scene. I mean, the pieces are set up, right? And they have the advantage of being in Union Square, which has those, those chess parts that are part of Union Square so that the boards are oh, positioned yep. correctly. Like the number one thing in movies to see is that the square on the lower right-hand side should be a white square. Right. And- if not, if you have the board uh, oriented 90 degrees to that and it's a black square, people often, most of the time, set up the king and queen incorrectly. So the whole game kind of falls yes. um, yeah. being broken. And I have seen that at the Krakow International Airport. It's like that. Check out my Instagram, guys. Uh, so um, so Nikon is, is playing, but he plays. And I just saw another movie where this happens. Nikon makes two moves in a row. <laughs> like there's no cutaway. It's like anybody can win a chess game if all of a sudden they're allowed two moves in a row. <laughs> so not that that uh not the same level of payout. But in that in the latest uh on Prime and don't watch it, it's awful without remorse with Michael B. Jordan. There's a very similar broken chess scene in which Michael B. Jordan is watching two people at a party play chess and to show you how much of a genius strategist Michael B. Jordan is. After one of the players has makes a move, Michael B. B. Jordan walks over and makes another move in the same <laughs> color as that player. And they're I guess, just all let him go. But that's also super rude to walk up to somebody else's chess game and make a move on the board. Yeah. For all you uh, people out there. So Serial gets a Hack the Planet Grand Central Station Alpha page, which I had an Alpha pager uh, similar to this, Morilla Alpha. And they now this is where they Italian job some more street lights and here i think they murder probably eight to ten people <laughs> yeah. yeah like it's I'll, carnage yeah they're probably for yeah. what we don't know 
what is the purpose to slow I, down and jam up so the police can't catch them can't follow them i guess yeah exactly and it was like we're the I, like it was unclear to me are the police even following you because they kept cutting away while they're rolling all this, down yeah the all of a sudden streets. we see gill and then gill, yeah gill is confused <laughs> <laughs> running around his car probably because people still yeah. think that he's dead from earlier in the movie okay uh, yeah so yeah. all right and and we're on to airborne levels of rollerblading <laughs> so, you know uh i don't even know who's in that movie but it's a movie about rollerblading in cincinnati so they're all at uh grand central station and they're using a payphone bank to coordinate their attack dade has a luke a locutus of borg eyepiece okay <laughs> the star trek <laughs> okay okay do you know what this thing is i just wrote down that he's wearing a google class thing Okay, I'm like, it, it wasn't know. clear to me how this thing on his eye was factoring into the hack that they were about to just do. It does. I think it's a fashion choice. Okay, we guess. <laughs> <laughs> this just made me laugh, too, because this thing instantly made me think of Google Glass because it like really reminded me of this. I'm just like, wow, Google really tried to launch a product that the zero cool from hackers uh, was using. That that I mean... Yeah, I just I don't think it's we have we have real world experience with somebody who wore a lot of Google Glass. Around <laughs> just, the it just makes me think like, yeah, how could you see this movie and then feel like, yep, that is going to be a successful thing? Anyway. I I would guess based on what we've seen so far that the props department is pretty on point that this is a thing that existed that would be retro available to kids. Or whatever, because yeah, so my my guess is that it's some real thing that we don't know about. Okay. That doesn't do anything in the context of what they're using it for. <laughs> okay. So Nikon's laptop has the Nikon camera as mm-hmm. its splash, like Nikon camera lap, uh, that logo as a splash game. And then Mortron computer scuff and the escalator factory is losing its mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, of uh, blowing up over there at escalator town. They change. Okay. They change some screensavers, Right. Did you see this at all? Yeah. Like in one of these little clips, people's screensavers have changed. This is something I remember doing. I remember going to like a Walmart or the local computer store. And when not, people were not paying attention, changing the screensaver banners and then starting this progressive war with the employees of the company in which they would then set passwords to the screensavers. So I would then power off the computers, uh, interrupt their boot sequence, delete the text out of the screensaver.config file in Windows 3.1, log back in, start it, and then change the screensaver and then set my own password. And this went on for years oh at my God. in Quincy, Illinois. I am loving So much that. that I think that they caught me and brought me to my mom at one point. Uh, <laughs> Wait, was this at a micro center or something? I feel like you, no, this that is you at almost a Walmart. got thrown out of a micro center or something like that or got in trouble well, or something. This was, a, this was a war wage. I'm sure I did it in multiple places, but this was a... Because my mom would grocery shop semi-daily at Walmart. Okay. And... And then little Kev is wreaking havoc on the, cause Walmart had a pretty, into, I guess they still do, but it was kind of hidden. It's not like they, and now it's where all the electronics are. So there's a lot more people around. I was just alone. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, and yeah, so this was a war that was waged. A lot of boot attacks, a lot of, a lot of, uh, weird hacking stuff going yeah, down there. There was definitely a version of this that would happen in my high school's library with people changing the 
just the windows background mm-hmm. to inappropriate things and- or or the classic office prank of you take a screenshot oh, mm-hmm. of the of the desktop yep you set that as a background. Then you hide all the icons mm-hmm. so they're clicking on the screenshot. Oh, does that drive some people crazy? <laughs> yeah. I've seen people like almost freak out about those kind of pranks. <laughs> it's like, okay, we should not be playing pranks on this person anymore. And I don't find them so professional either. But yeah, I well, when I yeah, was I mean, a child mess- messing with the computers at Walmart, sure. Yeah, exactly. This is not something that people should be doing in the office nowadays. Um, okay. So Penn is back on the case. Mm-hmm. Hero number two of this movie. If I were going to give a, um, uh, if I were going to hire any of the people in this movie to come and work for me <laughs> at any computer security job, I'd hire Penn and I'd hire Gil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of fake jargon. They're playing this game of whack-a-mole. So the kids are all hacking from the, their computers. Lots of wireframe. The plague traces them to, Grand Central Station lower level pretty fast and calls Dade on one of the payphones there. Mm-hmm. Razor and Blade call Kate and then the whole world starts hacking the Gibson. Oh, all the inter- international hackers come out of the woodwork. And In very somehow, stereotypical fashion. <laughs> of their national yeah, hackers. and all this hacking... The phone booths start spinning. <laughs> I, okay, yes. Again, in another shift in the way that this movie is being shot. Another, another a, jarring. A fifth visual style added. <laughs> <laughs> There's now an element Everyone of, is spinning in a circle. And it's a legit. I think that it was probably a legit. They put the phone book booth on a dolly and started spinning it around. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, it looks very... Analog. They were like, okay, Angelina Jolie, it's your turn on this lazy Susan. We're yeah, just gonna I could just picture these. Yep. I could just picture all these these actors like just throwing up in between <laughs> scenes of like, do I have to do it again? So there's spin everybody's spinning Everyone. now. Even Joey, the poor Joey doesn't even have a handle and doesn't get a handle. Like the whole movie, he's asking for a handle. Does he ever get one? No, he came up with some handles. Ultra laser, I remember, was one of the first ones. This is probably used. a good one. Yeah. yeah. But- you went by it, I think. <laughs> Maybe you could go by ultra later. Maybe I should. I so <laughs> more jargon that I don't get at all. GPI, FSI processes. Now they're going through the kernel. Yeah. That was good. Probably the most realistic sentence. Dade finally finds, I guess, the rest of the garbage file, which I don't know why they need because he's seemingly got enough evidence anyway. Well, yeah, that's what I didn't under Like he just like recreated the garbage file. Like he only got half of it. He did, they downloaded half maybe, a file. Oh, maybe he's trying to get more of the virus evidence on the virus. No, I think right? he's trying. Yeah, wait, no, no, not the virus because the virus the plague made himself to cover his tracks. Right, but maybe they broke into the Gibson to get evidence of that. Um, I don't know because he's very clearly looking for the garbage file. Which, by the way, in the whole UI, like I don't know if well, it was a specific garbage, garbage file garbage. they're looking for, but they literally this first scene of them him floating through like the towers of information, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I right on the screen is garbage file, and I'm like, okay, you found <laughs> you found it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of garbage files. Maybe there are I mean, a lot of garbage files. Yeah, I mean, I guess I mean in reality, you'd probably do like whatever the garbage file name format is you do a find on this big storage array for all that all the patterns and that would take a while you know i think it might have been they wanted to find the garbage file because 
is that what tells him like what bank account the funds were getting moved to? Like, I think the hmm. plague said that there was enough info in there that they to could implicate. get implicated. Yeah. But not enough to hmm. like fully like, you know, open and shut case. I don't know. Something My like guess that. is that you and I are the first person to ever think about what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the writers. Yeah, even I don't think so at all. This. Okay. So day. So the plague kills Dade's computer and now Dade starts coaching Joey through the rest. I think in reality, you would just like IT man move Joey, right? <laughs> like you'd be like, Joey, yeah. I need your computer. Get out of there, Get idiot. Of here. <laughs> uh, but I like it. It's a real moment of mentorship. Actually, that resonates with me that he would talk him through this. Although they're, you know, their butts are on the line, I think. Yeah. Should, I mean, that, that's I really uh, having some faith in Joey. So the Secret Service shows up, but they go to this lower level and they see all the phones we're, daisy chained together. And we're guns drawn. I couldn't remember if this is our final. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of guns <laughs> drawn here. They're just running around New York with their guns pointed at every person in Grand Central Station. So what so they was get the, this, by the way, when they show up in that bank, the other bank, where the, the, the hackers- No, it's not a bank. bank. So there's it's in Grand Central Station. No, no, no I mean payphone lower bank. level. Yeah, so there's the lower level payphone bank, mm-hmm. and that they had crossovered. So Serial did did some wiring work to cross over all of those phones to one to one map to the bank upstairs. So they were using that as a relay. So when they traced it, they went to the lower level, but then they were all tied together. It, and that's a visual way to tie together. I mean, you just tie the actual lines together to i guess probably confuse them or whatever okay but so they're on probably the upper level i've i've been to grand central station i don't recall how it's laid out but and there was no payphone base when i went so um yeah so that's so they're on the lower level but then this gives them the extra two minutes to get the job done they get the file they tell razor and blade to kill the gibson and we actually see some something that looks like like an an instruction set, kind of like a decompiled instruction set or a something like that. So there is a little bit of real-ish looking text mixed into that ending. And the tankers balance themselves out. Oh, maybe that. Oh, maybe they they hacked in to save the tankers. Uh, that could have been part of it. I definitely. I mean, they made a big deal. Like the whole reason when Zero or Crash Override, yeah. excuse me, went over to Joey was he said that Joey was the closest to the garbage file. Yeah. In terms of what I don't know, like what that meant. Maybe they all had different subdirectories that their finds were supposed to cover. Okay. So I'm doing okay, work for the movie. Yeah. It's your movie. Okay. I. <laughs> Okay. I, I for the record, I was I wanted to do sneakers. Everybody loves sneakers. You did not. All say right. That. Oh, well, so the tanker recovers. Uh, mess mess with the best. I like the rest. So classic acid burn style. Oh, we get a war game one. style brownout in the knock. <laughs> so randomly lights turning off, and now guns are pointed at their faces in the they the Secret Service catch up. Dade throws the disc that has the evidence. I guess the complete evidence now in the trash and starts yelling, they're trashing our rights, which tips cereal off to go and get the disc. Mm-hmm. Cute. It was cute. And before I clued in, I was like, wait, why are they, why is he yelling all about trashing our rights? I was like, this is not, none of that was happening. Then I, then on, only then did I realize that it was yeah. code for serial killer. Cut to Brocco and Plague are drinking Moscato. <laughs> 
<laughs> to celebrate? <laughs> okay. Well, very cheap champagne. Yeah. It, it, I mean, do they just have the weirdest relationship of any movie? No, I have, I have, I, this is a common relationship. <laughs> this was just like so, it just. It, this is basically the relationship I have with Sarah without any other criminal elements. <laughs> this is me and my wife. <laughs> Me on the computers, she, her, her, us drinking champagne. Except, yeah, it's all just positive. Yeah, but so, I can't. I, they, they also just seem like the, the the odd couple. There's no in no just like in sneakers where the guys like a computer matched you up with him. I do just think how I want to know. I would watch a full fledged movie. Are there that two talks executives? About I mean, the I, don't, I don't know of how the plague and. And her got together. I would love to see that. Uh, I I think it's it seems it definitely resonates with with me being plague ish <laughs> without. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah. Um. So so Gil is now playing bad cop, bad cop by himself with Kate and Dade. Kate thanks Dade for his help. Dade has an intercom, so Gil leaves the room and Kate Dade has an intercom where Dade's mom says her son would never hurt anyone though. He did at this point, probably murder 50 people between <laughs> the clear flare gun to the security guard's face, the multiple, uh, felony murders being involved with the, uh, telco lineman who's dropped 40 feet to his death and the Italian job traffic accidents that were completely unnecessary. My guess is Dade should get the chair. Here. <laughs> um, but Kate likes Dade's mom, which is a good start to any uh, relationship. And agent Gill is now back on TV when serial breaks in using that dumpster uh, radio transmitter, TV transmitter that they got. He's with Raider, razor and blade and describes the whole scam, which they seemingly could have done right after they decoded the hex about three hours ago, <laughs> but or three days ago calls out Bracco, who is now in bed with the plague uh so i mean i don't know we get it <laughs> you guys are in a relationship <laughs> they're they're they just slam some moscato and uh we're we're laying next to each other just under the covers and she looks over and the plague is gone okay <laughs> so this guy's I, immediately i loved that part in this he, where it's like he has obi-wan kenobi and it's just a pile <laughs> yes, of clothes exactly. on the other side it's like a cartoon there's just like a little smoke smoke thing in uh -huh. the shape of uh the plague in the bed Oh my yep. God. Now she looks over and the plague is gone. The hackers are stoked. Brocco's in cuffs and cut to the plague is in first class in old man face and he's ordering champagne, caviar, whatever it is. This does remind me. Can we, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, but your dad was an air marshal. Yeah. So criminal on a plane. What's your dad's approach? to apprehending Eugene here. Uh, he knows, knows he's on. Mm -hmm. Do you wait until you're over the Pacific to, to do this? <laughs> and I think that your dad's answer may be because, yeah, your dad did enjoy, did enjoy some of the comforts of first class as he traveled as an airman. That's true because he said he had to fit in so that people would believe exactly. that he was a, a first. So he would have so been right I, there. He would have been probably getting. He would have probably been like, yeah, we need to do this. So we don't want him running away. He's already fled. Exactly. Right. So let's apprehend him in a plane <laughs> mm -hmm. 
over the middle on our way to London. Then we stop in London. We get some fish and chips. Exactly. We get some cider. Now you are okay. Okay. And so, and that's what happens. So he puts his hand up to press the call button to get the waitress back, or not waitress, sky waitress, to get the flight attendant back. Uh, and a handcuffed. Boom. Apprehended. Cut to Dade and Kate on their date. They go for a swim. I don't know why. Dade calls Kate elite. Dade has hacked the skyscraper lights to say crash and burn or paid $100 to the cleaning staff to turn on the correct lights. <laughs> Who knows? I, I doubt that there's a uh, complete light connectivity control panel out at this time to those places, but love it. Roll credits. Roll credits, yes. And yeah. Um, the one flaw... The, the, <laughs> only, the only flaw in this entire movie that I would like to highlight is why didn't the plague and uh, what Baracko? Why didn't I call her Baracko because her real name is Lorraine Baracko? Yeah. Her name in the movie is Margo. Margo, yeah. Why didn't the plague and Margo just like cut bait? Like, why didn't he stop his thing from running once he realized they had? you know, that they had kind of figured out what he was doing because he knew that they were on to him. So I think they still had the $25 million, $21.8 million embezzling data. So his, the, the plague's idea is we can't wait for those kids to prove that we're implicated in the Superman three scheme. Mm -hmm. So his point is, well, let's ransom the Emerald mineral escalator factory to give us $5 million today or suffer. And he also pressures the secret service to say, if these tankers roll over, it's because of you. So they're, they're gunning to try to lock up the kids before they can prove it. Right. And as soon as they seize any of this evidence, the play gets access to it. So I think that his threat is kind of dual headed mm. of, pressuring the secret service. But then if he gets the $5 million in ransomware, then he can make a more stylish, probably get better old man makeup so that he doesn't get caught by Pan Am on his way to London. Yeah. I just feel like he should have just taken, not wait for the 25 million to finish and just bounce. Take, take your 20 million. But I see what you're saying. Hmm. Hmm. Indeed. But he's put in the time and he, he's not a saver, right? He's as soon every he's living paycheck to paycheck, even though he's an executive, right? Tech executives were not compensated the same, right? I mean, we're still fighting that balance, right? And um also, yeah. Um he's not a saver. He's got this big VR setup. That's probably a thirty thousand dollar VR setup. <laughs> That's true, which, and she, which and we now out, know like, is uh, about 90K in today's dollars. Yeah, and his his out, his uh, wardrobe, very expensive wardrobe. Very expensive. So I don't – I mean it's realistic to say that he maybe – he can't even really effectively flee without a bit of a payday. Mm, true. But they have an – it was to, in a payday to an offshore account. Anyway, mm, it's okay. Yeah. So I mean that's classic. Okay, you know what? I, I was actually surprised um, that you weren't just more bashing this movie. I, I'm surprised it that bashes it, itself. If people it, oh, watch, oh, okay, if, if yeah. people watch it, they're going to understand the absurdity of it. So I think the best we can do 
is to focus on what they kind of got close to being. Yeah, yeah. To find the yeah, to find the little bit of true things. Oh, here's some other positive notes that we didn't hit just by the play by play. I love how diverse this group of hackers is. Right, it's multiple. It's genderless. It's you know, it's uh, orientationless. It's uh, multi-ethnic. I love that they are treating computers as this social melting pot, mm-hmm. right? And although at the time, this actually, you know, it, there is a bit of a class boundary here, right? Like it's, I mean, where are the, at the time, I mean, computers are very expensive. We do see some kids with older computers and stuff like that. I, I, I get that. I like that. But there's a dimension there where, you know, I mean, I certainly had a lot more access to, I mean, I had broadband when this movie was released. I had ISDN at the time, right? So, you know, uh, so there's there's a level of that, but I I do love that that point of it of saying, you know, this is a thing that we all do despite being at all levels of and and you know, from these all these different backgrounds and coming together. And uh yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that serial hacker is basically or excuse me, serial killer is basically homeless in this movie. Yeah. And he has such tiny, he's wearing baby. Those are the same um, sunglasses he got as a baby. Mm-hmm. So he's probably an orphan who was left on a church with a tiny pair of sunglasses because it was sunny outside. Yeah. So any more items that we didn't talk about or no? Um, I, no. We have I, talked I would about say, this movie for, let me see. For, Two hours and fifteen minutes, and I think it's longer than I, this is longer. Yes, this is a recap. Movie that feels actually long. longer than the movie. No, no, we I can't. For, I can't tell you how many times I paused to write a note, and then the I looked up, and the pause thing was like, "Oh my god, I'm only twenty five minutes." Yeah. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about this movie for thirty minutes longer than the actual movie is. Yeah, yeah, but I think that we're processing the movie. In a way that has never been done before. <laughs> I can guarantee that. People needed our commentary on yeah. both the social aspects and the computer technology aspects. So and the it's out there. And the E equals MC squared. Yes, aspects. the complete guide to the hackers, the authoritative hackers commentary. <laughs> yes. So, okay, this was fun. I definitely, you know, I think this turned out a thousand times better than I was expecting because while I was watching this, I was just thinking Kev is just going to crap all over this movie. Rightfully so, but this was good. I thought that I liked the the spin that you, you put on your analysis. So it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I watched this movie. You know, I was there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, this is our second installment of summer blockbuster season. So this is just, uh, we'll get back to, our normal deep technical and philosophical security insights uh, when school season starts again. But this summer, maybe do one or two more of these fun little ones. Sneakers. I mean, should we just do a commercial for sneakers now? Sneakers is what we should have done. Mm. That's going to be a good one. Okay, let's do it. That is like war games. Level. And in fact, some of the same people, some, there's some crossover in terms of the people that made sneakers and war games. So, um, yeah, we'll get back to that one. And thanks for listening. All right. Bye, Kev. Bye. Bye.